had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy is good. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos and motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome in, everybody. It is Monday, February 5th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in sunny and somewhat pleasant Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, if you want to take your career to new heights, you can do so with an MBA from the University of Louisville. It's a full-time MBA program that is an innovative 12-month program which accelerates your career trajectory with convenient in-person evening classes it's the MBA that pays. If you want to find out more about that, how can it pay? How can you get it in just 12 months? Visit business.louisville.edu to begin your journey today. We're on the air from 3.06 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the planet Earth and beyond. You know us better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here with you on a Monday. Plenty to get to. Scooter Dingus bailed on the show today. He said, you know, look. UofL won a basketball game. Indiana still sucks. I, I I can't deal with this. I don't want to talk about it for three hours. So he tucked tail and ran away like a loser. We've got Trey Ryan from Cluckers in the house today. Trey, how are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Doing well. Thanks so much for filling in on, on apparent short notice. Always. Uh, no Scooch problem. just decides at the last second and just don't want to do the show today. Classic, uh, you know, lazy Scoots. Just the, d- doesn't do any shows on the station. Doesn't do anything for the station. Never fills in for anybody. Just, uh, just classic Scoots. Classic Scoots. Classic. I mean... He's got drama with Gil that he's posting on Twitter. He's, he's oh, airing no. his dirty laundry on Twitter now, which I really wanted to get into, and he just refuses to do it on the show. But wow. yeah, I, I, it was one of those things where I saw Scoots' tweet over the weekend. I was like, why? Why, why would you publicize this? <laughs> he's just he's putting it out there like, I get home after working all day, and it'd be nice if somebody else had helped clean the house. I was like, Scoots, buddy, you're, this, this is just not a great look Come for on. you. I mean, you know, it, it's, it'd be worse, I guess, if he had like a... If he's married with a, with a significant other, but right. he's airing this type of laundry. What was the exact tweet? Nothing like coming home ready to relax and realizing there's zero contribution today from others, so you have to spend an hour plus cleaning the house. I mean, first of all, you live with one person, so it's not like you have to say others. You, we, everyone knows who you're talking about. It's classic Gil, but he said it's all good. Ended up helping for the final five to ten minutes, so that's better than nothing. Initiative's not his thing. Initiative isn't his, thing. Not his thing. I get it. I, I mean... The most passive-aggressive, I mean, there, there's trouble in paradise. Scoots and Gill, I don't know if they're on the outs. I don't know if we're going to have a different living arrangement soon, but he didn't want to talk about it on the radio today, so he did have to, to bail. Uh, Trey, thanks so much for filling in. How was the weekend, buddy? Um, it was good. Um, a little pike party. Um, oh. I can't go. That's always fun. So, um, kind of recovering from that, but yeah, we're good. Good weekend. Now, well, you're not 21, so of course you weren't drinking. So no, 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 of course not. Hanging in there. Uh, so... 
when Patrick Freddie Patty now WKU Patty six eighty Patty when, when right. he left for for Western Kentucky and he was like I'm gonna pledge a frat you know, he's doing the whole thing his his girlfriend's in a sorority so now he's doing the frat thing right and I was very curious to see which frat he was going with and he's 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 pledging pikes I believe right yes sir that's showing correct. the chain off in his Instagram yep. pictures he's doing the whole thing now now when I was in college at both at both like U of L and then I had a bunch of friends who were in frats at, at UK I never pledged a fraternity I never was in a fraternity but pikes especially at Dayton. Right, they were kind of the frat that like fought a lot. Every frat kind of got in fights, but Pikes were definitely the ones who were putting the vibe out there at the beginning of the night. Like we're looking to we're looking to brawl a little bit. Hopefully, I don't know if that's changed because I don't see my man Patrick Ryan being much of a like a big time fighter. But I don't know if that's a how much things have changed over the last two decades. Uh, they I don't think they've changed very much to be honest. <laughs> uh, we I, not me particularly because I don't know if you knew this, but I'm a Pike at U of O. Okay, uh, I didn't did not yeah, know that. There so, you go. So yeah, so we're both Pikes, different places, but yeah. Um. Yeah, they like to they like to tussle a little bit. Uh, I don't really know why, but they do for sure. Not yeah. me. I, I I like to stay out of that. I'm more of breaking everything up. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, they do like to do that. I was a big fan back in the day of the uh, it's it's not worth it line. Right. It's not right here, bro. Not right here, bro. <laughs> yeah. Not right here. And it's not it's worth not, it right here, bro. It's not worth it, man. It's not worth <laughs> just holding people. Yeah, it was. That was a glow to for me. Give me about like sixteen drinks deep, and I was definitely gonna th- throw that line out there. Uh, but that, that, yeah, that was me. I, I was also a big fan of the like stand behind friends for like a billion mm-hmm. almost fights yeah. and never actually get into a fight. It was great. Like, th- th- those were those were awesome. See, but you're bigger than I am, so it was you're, you're a little bit of a different. You're kind of the you're on the front lines more than I am. Yeah. I, I'm just like I'm I'm adding strength in numbers. Yeah. I just was back there for a period. You're just playing your role. I love it. That's that's what I had to do. I hear you. Uh, on a totally different note, my weekend was very different than yours. We, <laughs> as you as you may have guessed, <laughs> it was definitely one of those weekends though where like you. I'm sitting here on Monday feeling like I still haven't gotten caught up on sleep. Right. Uh, we had, so my, my sister-in-law, unfortunately, has COVID. And she's got her her daughter, uh, my niece Audrey, is, is at our house a lot. And she was with her family in Springfield for a couple of days to try and you know just keep her away from, from Laura so she didn't get COVID as well. But they had, my wife had bought tickets for the girls and, and her parents to go see Frozen which is the, the big deal at the Connecticut Center for the Arts. I think it's the Center for the Arts, the Broadway series. Right. Everyone's raving about this show. So they come back in town. So they went to Frozen, and then Audrey spent the night at our house. And we've done this a few, a few times where we do the sleepover thing. And look, you know, we, we have a small St. Matthew's house, just uh-huh. two bedrooms. John's still got the crib going. So there's limited space for sleeping. So we do the thing where we get the girls down in Virginia's bed together, we get John down, and then I take Virginia upstairs, and we sleep on the bed upstairs, and then Mary and Audrey sleep in the bed downstairs. Uh-huh. And it's worked out pretty well. Right. The problem is when John wakes up in the middle of the night, which happens from time to time, but has never happened when Audrey's there, it just it throws the whole planet to yeah, chaos. Just, yeah. John gets up at 12.30, Mary goes in with him, like gets him, spends like an hour getting him down. Then John gets up at 5.30, and he's like, I'm awake. I'm done. Oh, no. I'm ready to go, which never happens. I don't, I don't know what was going on, but he was raring to go. And so that meant, like, Virginia woke up because she was getting all rattled because nobody was upstairs with her. And so she wants to get up at, like, 6.30. Mary's trying to get her back no. down. Audrey gets up at, like, 7. So nobody sleeps the entire night, which means Sunday is just a disaster. We're all zombies. Mary and I are, like, taking turns trying to get some sleep. But it was a, it was a total just uh, worked out well. But we had, like, 17 hours of playground time just constantly mm-hmm. running around. The kids somehow aren't faced by getting zero sleep. And it was a, it was a, it was a long weekend. But here's I had a hell of a story that I had to get people's thoughts on. Okay. And, and you know that I don't I don't judge other parents out there because I'll say what I think is like the most innocuous thing ever, and we'll get like seven texts from people who are like you really shouldn't do that. Like I'm like come on, like you know whatever. It, it's it's parenting. Most of the time they end up fine. 
hopefully we're in that most of the time group. But there are every now and then something happens where I'm like, I don't think this is okay. Like th- th- this seems odd. So Mary and her parents took the girls to Frozen. We put the the video of, of Virginia with <laughs> yelling about her hair up on Instagram and Twitter. People seem to enjoy it. She's that was funny. She's I very particular. That. Yeah, she she wanted. I guess the the exact. I mean, she's she's four, but somehow she's the most like like just attention to detail is outrageous. Mm-hmm. She. The, the particular dress that she has, that she's wearing to go see this, the Anna dress from Frozen 2, Anna has a, a long ponytail when she's wearing it. Mary was putting her hair in the classic Anna braids, and Virginia was freaking out about it because mm. she's you know, she's got to have the ponytail. And right. she actually says, when we're taking the video, she's like, she's like no one's going to know that I'm Anna. People are going to look at this, and they're going to say, Mom, is that Anna? And the moms are going to say, no, sweetheart, because look at her hair. Is exactly how she phrased it. And she's like, it's going to be a disaster. And we're like, you're four. How do you, what's going on? But they go, they have a great time. So it's just me and the little guy. It's just me and John. And we got to get John out of the house because he's, he's, he, he wants some fresh air, too. We need to experience the weekend. So take him on a wagon ride. We thankfully live within walking distance of, like, four playgrounds, which mm-hmm. is great. So we go to, to one of the ones that we haven't been to in a while, one of the, the bigger playgrounds behind a school. And we get there, and I see, like, four kids running around. I'm like, cool, we, we've got not too crowded, should be a good time. But I don't see any parents. And these are relatively young kids. Like, I would say their ages are, like, seven, five, three, and two. Should have parents with them. Should have parents around. Right. And I, I'm not seeing any parents there. And I'm like, this is kind of interesting. And so, like, John starts playing a little bit, and I'm, like, I'm kind of like, what's going on? And I hear, like, kind of music playing and i'm like well there's there's someone else here i don't know where they are do you are you familiar with the the ride at the playground i don't know even know what it's called it's not a merry-go-round but like you sit in the seats you kind of like spin it around yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. there's a man and he's he's sitting sitting like just totally slouched in the little merry-go-round thing blasting music from his phone and very clearly and openly smoking weed right. like just 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 very like the, the stench is undeniable and i'm like all right Maybe there's another parent around here. I'm like, no, th- this guy is is here just for these kids, and it's obvious. And at one point, like he gets up and he goes over and he's his, his kids are playing like this little kind of soccer game. And John walks over because he's interested because they've got a ball and he's he's addicted to right. sports stuff. That's how it is. And so I'm like, I walk over. I mean, this man, no shame, whatever, in seeing another adult around, just openly smoking still. He he's he's high as hell. There's no way around it. Like this man is high as absolute bleep. And I'm like, I've got to talk to this guy. I, I've got to just see what's up. I, I need to be, I need to strike a conversation with this guy. I've got to see what's going on. And so again, like John's watching his kids play this little like soccer handball hybrid game, and I'm making some comments in there, just kind of put the vibe out there, like, hey, I'm open to talk. Like, like you know, mm-hmm. let's have a discussion. Let's go back and forth. And finally, he sees like John's wearing a Louisville hoodie, and he's like, he's got the he's talking real low, just eyes barely open at all, and he's like. My man's got the right team on there, and I was like, you know, I was like, you know it, man. I was, I was like, maybe not the right time now, but like all this stuff. And he's like, oh, he's like, we just gotta get some Green Bay Packers stuff on him. And I'm like, we're actually Lions fans. We're still crushed. And he like starts, he like rolls over laughing so hard. He's like, ah, 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 ah. I can't believe you said you're a Lions fan. And like, he's like, just he's kind of talking to himself. I think he's so high that he doesn't really know. He kind of forgets that we're having a back and forth here. And he starts like kind of. You know, talking about the lines, like, I thought they had it and all this stuff. And I'm like, we're going to become best friends by the end of this. But we go back and forth. And, and again, like, th- this is the most stone person I've ever talked to in my entire life, probably, which is saying something. And not long after we, like, had this, John runs away, wants to go play on the slide, so I, I have to follow him. And 
this man like loads his kids up into a car and like gets in and is about to drive away. And I'm like, I, I was like, I don't think this is okay. Uh, like, I'm hoping that things worked out all right, but I was like, I was waiting for them to like walk to to, to a house or like walk with someone. And I was like, oh my god, I'm like, this man has no business driving. It was very concerning, and I was definitely after enjoying our back and forth and becoming friends. I I kind of wanted to be like, dude, you you should, you should not be driving these kids, but uh, you know. Hopefully it worked out okay, but it was you know, definitely it, one of those where I'm judging a fellow parent. Right. At least he had kids there, because the way you were going with that, it sounded like he was just some creepy guy. That, I mean, was just for a second there, that was also a concern. I'm yeah. like, I don't, yeah, I don't. Well, know. at least he had kids there. But you know, they were referring to him as dad, and they were talking about, can we go yeah. over to Uncle Fred's or something? And I was like, is oh, hopefully Uncle Fred's got some some good parenting skills here, because I don't I think the dad needs a little bit of help. But that was coaching. It was it was a it was a little bit worrisome, but uh, you know, thank, the playground time was great. John enjoyed the playground time. Um, he's a master of slides. We saw like we, we like legit went to I feel like three different playgrounds this weekend because that's what you do on the weekends instead of going to pike parties anymore. <laughs> uh, but it was a fun weekend. A lot of Louisville sports uh, to talk about today. We got a big game tonight in the women's side of things against NC State. The newly crowned number three team in the country will host the Cards in a matchup of ACC leaders. We'll talk about that. Obviously, we've got the men's team winning a game over the weekend and doing so in pretty impressive fashion, actually talk about we've got um some some other college basketball notes from over the weekend we've got some some you know the coaching search that isn't actually happening Mm -hmm. some tidbits there we've got uh grammy's reaction we've got Haley van lith making some comments turning some heads around here it's all happening today on the story we we got rick patino keeping DePaul day alive it's all happening we'll talk about it all over the next three hours we do want to hear from you in between now and then hit us up on the thornton's tax line at 502-414- 1450. Thornton's has the best deals for you all 2024 long if you want to take advantage. Download the Refreshing Rewards app and become a Refreshing Rewards program member today. Very easy to do. Just open the app, search Thornton's, you'll download it in about 30 seconds. You'll sign up. Bing, bang, boom. You're saving money at the pump. You're saving money inside. Anytime you're stopping into one of this area's 45,333 Thornton's locations, you're doing that, and then you're texting us at 502-414-1450. Excuse me. All right, let's get into it. God, the I knew this was going to happen after telling that story, but the Trevor references on the text line already mm-hmm. are just yeah. I think uh, Trevor actually is he's also making the same type of reference. We've got um, a men's basketball victory to discuss today, which is a rare occurrence on this show. But here we are, especially on a Monday, getting ready to talk the cards, winning over Florida State this weekend, one hundred one to ninety four, which is a score that you kind of just <laughs> feel strange to even say it, it out loud. Doesn't sound real. It doesn't sound real. It the fact that Louisville. Real. Could not only win this game, but also do so with a limited bench, a limited roster, and score 101 points in the process. But that's exactly what transpired Saturday night at the KFCM Center. And maybe that's been the problem. Maybe the problem is these Saturday early games, You know, Kenny Payne said, it's tough for kids to get up. They're playing video games. They're staying up too late. They, you know, they don't like waking up. Maybe he was right. We all kind of laughed at him for the quote. But maybe the key has just been playing night games. Maybe this is a... Uh, it's a nocturnal team, and getting the eight o'clock tip a little bit after eight actually on Saturday was the difference between, you know, going through the motions and getting blown out by the the likes of Virginia and Wake Forest and these teams, and actually beating a, a decent Florida State team. I said one on one ninety four, actually one on one ninety two, on Saturday night. Let me start with this because I, I love starting by being able to say this. I told you this stuff was going to happen. I told you this month this team was going to win some games. I didn't think it would be this game necessarily, but I told you when we were in the midst of this 
six-game losing streak, and we're doing the whole, well, they're fighting hard. Well, they, you know, they had some moments where they made games interesting, all this stuff. I told you these same types of efforts are going to beat some of these bad teams in the ACC because this is a bad major conference. This is as down as the ACC has been. I don't want to completely take away from our performance, but like, it wasn't a performance that made me think this ter- team has turned a giant corner or that they can you know, win out or that they can save Kenny Payne's job or anything like that. But it was reflective of the fact that I think that they can win a handful of games in this conference moving forward. Like, I would not be shocked at all if we finish, I don't know, 12th or 13th in the ACC, 14th seems more likely, but I would not, I'm would not. i not going to be surprised if we don't finish dead last in this conference, which is a depressing statement to say on February 5th. But look, I mean, we, we finished dead last last year by a fairly wide margin. We were predicted to finish last this year. Um, I think we actually predicted to finish 14th. And we've looked like the worst team in the conference for the bulk of this season. But I'm, I mean, 13th, 14th seems possible. Like, I would not be shocked at all if we play Syracuse on the road very tight on Wednesday or even beat Syracuse. And then Georgia Tech comes here on Saturday. It's another night game. I think 6.30 is the tip-off time. Would not be shocked at all if we won that game. BC away, very winnable. Pitt away, kind of winnable. Notre Dame at home, very winnable. Duke away, not going to win that. Syracuse home, very winnable. Virginia Tech home, eh, a little bit less so. And then BC at home, very winnable. They're going to win three, four, five of these games. I'm telling you right now. They're going to win a few of these games. And there's going to be a discussion about this, about how much it matters, about if Kenny Payne can win 11 or 12 games with a limited roster and the injuries and look how much they've come along, look how much better they are now than they were back in November. There will be people who will try to advocate for him to get a year three. It's going to happen. Come to terms with it now. It's not going to be as cut and dry as we all hoped it would be. Having said that, I don't think it changes anything in the grand scheme of things. I don't think that Josh Hurd and company are going to be swayed by that, barring some sort of like crazy run here where they end up finishing, you know, ten and ten in the conference and lose one game in February and March combined, maybe win a couple of games in the league tournament, which I don't think is going to happen. Having said that, pretty impressive all the way around with what we saw on Saturday night. If you had told me before the game that look, Sky Clark's not going to play, Trey White, he's not gonna score. And Florida State's going to score 92 points. I'm saying we lose by 25 to 30 points. This is a Florida State team that is the best in the ACC when it comes to forcing turnovers, and in particular, getting steals. Nobody gets more steals than FSU. And all of a sudden, you're taking away Sky Clark, who's been your your, your full-time point guard basically this entire season. Tyler Johnson, he's got to play a gigantic game. He's not even starting the game. But can he handle... 30-plus minutes of running the point without turning the ball over at a ridiculous rate. Mike James, kind of the same thing. Can he be a secondary ball handler to help you out? We really hadn't seen a whole lot to to believe that was possible. And all Tyler Johnson does is turn in statistically one of the better recent games that we've ever seen by a Louisville men's basketball player and, in fact, does something that has never been done by a Louisville men's basketball player. No player before Saturday night had ever had at least 25 points and 10 assists in a Louisville men's basketball game. Tyler Johnson finishes with 27 points, 11 assists, and I believe uh, six rebounds. He was spectacular. Ran the show, made the right decisions, had two steals himself, limited the kind of head-scratching freshman Russ Smith-type plays, 
looked like a guy who has the potential to be one of the better guards in all of college basketball by the time he calls it a college career. And then not to be outdone, Brandon Huntley Hatfield on the inside, career high 29 points. Lights it up on the uh, on on defense against a surprisingly undersized FSU team. They don't have the type of monsters that they've had in recent years. Brandon Huntley Hatfield, and I said this during the game, he did to Florida State inside what FSU big men have been doing to Louisville inside for the last six years. Kind of punked him out a little bit. Was the intimidating force, did whatever he wanted on the block, caught the ball wherever he wanted to, established position, showcase the wide array of skills. And when Florida State realized that they didn't have anybody to match up with him pound for pound, just kind of started fouling him. And he gets to the line, takes a bunch of free throws. What, six of eight? He and Mike James both get a ton of free throw shots. It was a game where a lot of free throws were shot, period. And nobody from FSU in the front court has any answer for him. They're all in foul trouble. They all kind of just back down. And so Huntley Hatfield starts taking advantage by getting a ton of, of easy buckets around the rim. And a lot of that's set up by the, the drive of, of Tyler Johnson. And what Johnson does that Louisville's guards the last couple of years has not done very, have not done very well, he makes the right decisions more times than not when he gains an advantage. And look, Johnson can go around just about anybody in college basketball. And that's not hyperbole. It sounds weird to say when you're, you're, you're the guard on a team that's 7-15 and 15 and has only two conference wins, but he's easily one of the quicker guards you're going to see at the major level. No problem getting around most guys. What comes next has been an issue for him. But for the first, like the last couple of weeks, he's going all the way to the rack and getting fouled or finishing when it's open to him. And he's driving and dishing when it's not open to him. He's finding guys around the rim. He's finding guys in the perimeter. He's making the right types of decision. I've kind of... I'm coming all the way around on Tyler Johnson. Not that I was ever really down on him, but... He's gone from a guy that I, I thought in the first couple months of the season, I was like, I can see it, the good is clear here. Super quick, can make some some crazy shots, good finisher around the rim for the most part, aggressive on defense, but the bad's also extremely apparent to, you know, to, to anybody who's just watching. Not just, you, know, you don't have to be a basketball Benny to see a guy and be like, hey, he's kind of out of control sometimes, or hey, he's fouling a little bit too much. Fouling out in 18 minutes of action is typically not a great thing. I think, I mean, at the time, I was like, he can be a good college player. I can see him being a starter on a good team, and maybe by the time he's a junior, can be like a, a, a capable college point guard at a, at a high level. I'm kind of going four or five steps farther now. I think in the right system, with the right coaching staff, and with the right offseason development, the kid has to put in the work himself, too. Like That's a big part of this as well. I think Tyler Johnson can eventually become one of the better guards in college basketball. And that may sound crazy. It may sound insane. I genuinely believe it. I don't know if it happens here. I hope it does. But I will not be shocked at all if three years down the line, we're talking about Tyler Johnson as being like a first-team, all-conference type guy at one of the six major conferences, a, a guy who's a difference maker on a team that's ranked in the top 15. I, you know, Tyler Johnson's speed is just something you can't see. All that stuff will come up. He's got to harness some stuff. He's going to have to get better. He's going to have to put the work in. His outside shot is not reliable at all. That's I, I don't think he can ever be a great outside shooter, but you can, you can take an average outside shooter and turn them into a good outside shooter. 
that's going to have to happen for, or else everyone's just going to to back off him forever. But I think that with the right tweaks, the right staff, the right system, he can be one of the better guards in college basketball by the time he graduates. Genuinely believe it. Now, it'll be interesting to see, too, moving forward, if Scott Clark remains out for, for a period of time. If teams, Florida State tried to just, it was a smart thing, too, starting at the end of the first half, they tried to just face guard him all over the floor and just not allow him to get the ball because Louisville doesn't have anybody else who could initiate the offense. And when Florida State was successful at that, when Tyler just couldn't get the ball in his hands, we really struggled offensively. We, you know, Mike James would kind of try to do something, and then eventually, with like 12 seconds left on the shot clock, he would just drive reckless, recklessly into the lane and hope they could get a foul call. Or, you know, Curtis Williams would try to do something. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But when Tyler got the ball in his hands, great things always happened. And I think you're going to see other teams, if Clark's out, try to do something similar where they're like, we're just not going to let you even get into the offense. We're, we're going to make somebody else do it because we don't think you guys can adjust like that. And we probably can't. But if Sky comes back, and if Sky's going to be back at some point, this hip injury, I don't think it's a, it's a season ender. What do you do? To me, it's pretty simple. You play Tyler at the point and you play Sky Clark off the ball. That was as good as the offense has looked all season long. Now, Florida State, defensively, is not great this year. They look a little bit unorganized. There's definitely a sense of like, hey, it's just kind of a bunch of dudes out there not really playing together as a cohesive unit. Not like we've seen from Florida State teams in years past. But they still have the type of athletes that if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't have guards that are getting things going the way that they're supposed to, they can make you look dumb. And we certainly did not look dumb on Saturday night. I think you roll with Ty Lahr for the rest of the year. We scored 101 points. I don't care if it was against FSU or Ohio. We scored 101 points. Keep doing what worked. The fact that we scored 101 points with Trey White playing 31 minutes and taking two shots and not scoring is insane. This is a guy who just, you're talking about history making, who just had 29 points and 14 rebounds, something that only three Louisville players had ever done before him earlier that week. And he's out there and he's like, to his credit, not forcing the issue because they don't, we don't need him to do those types of things. This also was the longest game, I think, in the history of basketball. It, I mean, at it, a certain point, you know, Mary gets the, she gets the kids down and she comes out and it's like 10-10. And she's like, is this game still on? Like, this is a long game. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's been a little bit long. There's like four minutes left at this point. It didn't end until like 10.45. I mean, just the, the foul calls, you, you did have a whistle, happy crew for sure, a lot of going to the clock. Uh, a lot of you know Florida State extending the game when it seemed like the game was already over. That was obnoxious, but every other part of this game was glorious. And, and here's the requisite comment that you have to give, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm rambling here, and we'll get to the break. You have to make this comment. I get that this, does not, this, this win alone does not change anything big picture-wise. It doesn't. We're 7-15, and 15, we're 2-9 and nine in the ACC. We're still in last place in the ACC as of right now. We're still, what, 11 and, and 43, or whatever it is, under Kenny Payne, 4 and 27 in the ACC. None of it's acceptable. It's not. But I'm not going to sit here and act like I was angry about Louisville winning a game at home against a quote unquote quality opponent in the first week of February. The kids, to their credit, while not playing well for most of this year, they've most of the time have played really hard. 
I think they just don't really have an idea of what to do, especially on defense. But they the effort level's been there. And in recent weeks, I feel like the bench attitude has been better. The you know, the huddling on the floor during timeouts, during whistles. Those sort of intangible things, those sort of those those extra things. That's gotten better. And they could have easily folded. So I will say, while my stance big picture wise has not changed, and I don't think anybody should have changed from this one game. Those players earned the right to feel good about themselves on Saturday. I'm glad they had that experience. Uh, 101-92, Florida State is, you know, they're not in the position that Clemson was last year when we beat them. But they were a team that, because they had been playing better since conference play started and got to 6-3 and three in the ACC, they were generating a little bit of bubble talk. They were pretty firmly on the outside looking in. But there was some thought that if they could get hot and, you know, maybe win 15 conference games, they could make the NCAA tournament. We tanked that on Saturday. Boom, boom, boom. You just got KP'd. Happened to Clemson last year. Happened to you this year. What a better way! What better way to snap a seven-game losing streak than to just torpedo their outside NCAA tournament chances? I loved it. It's a, it's a program that has been our Achilles' heel, dating back to the very end of the Rick Pitino era. Certainly throughout the Chris Mack era, we had not beaten them at home since January of 2016, and had not beaten them period since David Paget beat them in the second round of the ACC tournament back in 2018. So it felt good to snap that streak. Get off the schneid there, and also, you know, ruin somebody's season. It felt good. We got more to say on this game. I, I do want to talk about the the, the, the post game comments from Kenny Payne, some of the reaction to that game. Also, the women's basketball team getting ready for a big one tonight against NC State. All of that plus your text coming your way next. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, the Monday edition here on fourteen fifty and ninety six one, the Big X. Welcome back in Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Trade, did you do this music or did you inherit it from Scoots? I inherited it from someone, not Scoots. I'm assuming it's uh, Grammy winners. Correct. You got that, it. That's, that's my guess. Yes, not, not exactly the hardest thing in the world. Did you watch any of the Grammys last night, Trey, as a young man? You know, I did not. I figured you did. I did not watch that's, it. That's, that's, I didn't watch very much of it. I saw some of the highlights popping up on, on Twitter. The big news and it, look, this is a this is great marketing. Taylor Swift announcing as she won, you know, I think it wasn't the album of the year that she won. She did win it, but she it was one of the earlier awards that she won. Announcing that her new album's coming out in April, people going nuts. Like my wife came like sprinting up the stairs to it, tell me what what had happened. I was like, cool, great, awesome. Um, but locally, shout out to my guy Teddy Abrams and the Louisville Orchestra, Grammy Award winners after last night. They, uh, they they brought home a Grammy. Very cool to see, and it was one of the. Like announced awards on the actual show too. What they didn't do it off camera, so that was that was very fun. Nice little local flair there to enjoy. Saw some of the performances. People were loving the uh, the Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs doing uh, Fast Car, yeah. which was uh, which was cool. And then Billy Joel at the end. It was it was it sounded like it was a great show. I didn't watch much of it, but it sounded like it was a fantastic show. Props to the uh, all the artists who won. Taylor Swift taking shots at the old boyfriend with the album title. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be fantastic. 
ruining Super Bowls, according to, to old people. My, the amount of my friend's dads who are like, my buddy's like, yeah, my dad's talking about how Taylor Swift's ruining football. I'm like, come on, guys. Come on. Uh, we, we've got to, we'll, we'll take a text from you guys in a second, 502-414-1450. But real quickly, across the news wire just now, Tyler Johnson has been named ACC Rookie of the Week, the ACC announced today. I believe it's the first individual award for any Louisville player this year. Um, it's the first Rookie of the Week honor for a Cardinal since Mike James did it back on January of uh, January 9th of 2023 last season. But Tyler Johnson, unprecedented outing in Saturday's 101-92 win over Florida State. Career-high 27 points, 11 assists, 6 rebounds, a stat line that had never been produced before by a Louisville player in history. And I kind of forgot he didn't even start the game. Came off the bench, played 38 minutes. Um, uh, unreal. He's the only player in the country this season to have at least 27 points, 11 assists, and 6 rebounds in a game against a Division One opponent and just the fourth player in the last eight seasons to do it against a Power 5 opponent. Not bad. Most points by an ACC freshman this season. Uh, 11 assists are tied for the most assists by an a- ACC freshman this season. Tyler Johnson making some history uh, and earning ACC Rookie of the Week, which is pretty cool. Props to him. Congrats. Um, I-, I do want to say real quick before we go on, gigantic night for the women's team. The cards taken on NC State, despite the fact that Louisville is at the top of the ACC standings right now, I think most people consider NC State to be the class of the conference. They are number three in the new AP poll that came out today. They are seven and two in the league, one game behind, uh, but behind Louisville in the conference standings. They're they're nineteen and two overall. And if you want to look at transitive property stuff, and you know, why should we be the underdog in this game? We're nineteen and three overall. We're eight and one in the conference. They're seven and two in the conference. We did both play Connecticut this season. NC State stunned them, and then a couple of weeks later, that same UConn team beat us by 22. So this is the type of game, if Louisville wants to establish itself as a legit Final Four or national title contender, you need to show something in this game. Because I, I think most people, I don't know what the spread is, but I would assume it's probably close to double digits. And most people are expecting you to go down there to Raleigh and to lose handily tonight and to kind of be beaten from start to finish. If Louisville can, I'm not saying they have to win this game to be taken seriously, but if they're in there in the final moments, if they've got a shot to win the game in the final segment, I think it speaks pretty loudly. I think it says, you know, we've we've gotten the parts that we have to, to work together and become a full team. We've continually gotten better as the season has gone on. And there's nobody in the country that we can't play with. We may not be a favorite to win the national title, but neutral floor, late March, early April, nobody's going to scare us. This is I mean, NC State on the road is as big a test as you can get right now in the, in the ACC, and we'll see how they handle it. It's the first of many tests though this month. We've mentioned this the last couple of months, that February is a loaded schedule for Louisville. After this, in just three days, Louisville's going to play at home against a Notre Dame team that's ranked 12th in the country. Then on uh, next Sunday, this Sunday, they're going to go on the road and play a top 25 Syracuse team, the same team that they just beat by 12 uh, a few days ago. At Boston College, should be should be a win. They're scrappy, but it should be a win. And then you come back home and you host a Virginia Tech team that was the preseason favorite in this conference and which is ranked 16th in the country. You also, you're going to end the regular season against Notre Dame on the road, who again is number 12 in the country right now. So you're playing five ranked teams, five games against ranked teams 
over the course of the next four weeks. It is a loaded schedule. We'll know a lot about this team moving forward, and it starts tonight. Here's hoping that the Cards can can pull off a victory. If you want to watch the game, 7 o'clock tip-off in Raleigh. It'll be on ESPN2. If you want to listen to the game, you can do so on our sister station, 970 WGTK. I also did see today, and this is where it would help if we could play audio, but we can't. We, can, we, we can't figure out how to play audio that goes over both the stream and the air. You'd think we'd be able to get that right, but we, we can't do it right now. So I can't play the clip for you, but I can say what happens in the clip. But Haley Van Lith played very well for LSU yesterday. Uh, season high, I think 21 points or something like that. And they beat Florida by 40. Not a great Florida team. Shouldn't be, you know, not, not a crazy accomplishment, but she'd been slumping a little bit. People have been talking about her making a mistake, transferring to LSU and all this stuff. And, and so she had a big game. And it was nice to see for everybody who supports that team. But she was she was featured in the postgame press conference sitting next to Kim Mulkey. And she got asked about, you know, you and one of the other players who transferred in, you know, a lot of people talking about how it hasn't gone great. The team looks like they're worse. Like, you know, your response to all this. And she started talking, she basically gave the answer. And she she begins her answer where she talks about me and Anissa, who's the other player who transferred in. First of all, we went to a better team. And then she, she laughs. It's an obnoxious laugh. It's very much like a, like, like, you know, of course, we went to a better team. And then she continues her answer about, you know, it's unprecedented that we did this. we got to put one foot in front of the other. You have to learn. Lean into the people that have been here and just accept the challenge. I think it's about mental toughness and true competitiveness, knowing that you are who you are and being self-confident. And Kim Mulkey talked about how you know, Haley just had to be herself. I think you, know, you can use all these crazy euphemisms. The fact of the matter is they played her off the ball in the game yesterday, and that was the difference. She's not a point guard. They finally realized she's not a point guard. They played her at the two. She played better pretty simple solution but they're going into all this stuff about how she's got to be true to herself and play her type of game uh, and, and then Haley said sometimes I have bad games but the next morning I'm going to get up and take another step and I'm going to come to practice and hopefully have a good practice it's hard but that's why I came here I wanted to be pushed I wanted to be challenged so I'm getting what I asked for I can't complain as if she wasn't pushed here as if she wasn't challenged here some people run away from that challenge I do love the whole notion of just like I came here to play for a better team. Maybe that was your intention. And maybe LSU does wind up being a better team than Louisville. But if I checked the athletic power rankings this morning. They got Louisville at 11. They got LSU at 13. I look at the season records. I see LSU with four losses. I see Louisville with three losses. Maybe LSU is, in fact, better than Louisville, and they'll prove it in the NCAA tournament. But right now, if there's a difference between the two, it's pretty negligible. So maybe it's you. I don't know. Again, hand up. I'm gonna be a hater about this all year. I don't. I don't want. I, don't, I do not want her to have success. I do not want LSU to have success. I don't like the way the whole situation was handled. I don't like some of the stuff that her dad said. I, I don't like the whole thing. And it's it has delighted me to see her not living up to expectations down there, and to see that team, who's led by I think a deplorable head coach, have some struggles. Uh, obviously, they they're still definitely talented enough, good enough to win a national title. And you can't celebrate too early. Can't celebrate until they go down. But I I'm hoping that they see this season kind of go down in flames in the tournament. I'm hoping for it. Me too. Yeah. There's nothing to like there. Just get out of my face. Um, final thoughts on this Louisville-Florida State game from Saturday night. The the the, the free throw shooting, I don't know if that's sustained. We shot 46 free throws in this game. Granted, I think probably 10 of those came 
in the final minutes when FSU was trying to you know hope for a miracle and doing a lot of fouling and all this stuff. And, and, and look, there was a period of time there was about a minute left where we were looking shaky as hell. Threw the ball away a couple of times, gave them a steal, kept fouling them for for some ridiculous reason. But for the most part, we earned those trips to the free throw line by being super aggressive. And the good thing about that, and the reason why that needs to continue, is because we've got we're a good free throw shooting team. Tyler Johnson is a fantastic free throw shooter. Mike James, even though he missed a couple of late ones, is a very good free throw shooter. Curtis Williams is a fantastic free throw shooter. Like we need to keep being aggressive. We need to keep playing downhill. It's what you saw at times in the second half of the North Carolina game that worked. It's what you saw at times uh, in the game against Duke that worked. I know everyone wants to shoot threes. We shot a, we scored a 101 points in this game. We attempted 11 three-pointers. We made three of them. Our best offense is getting our guards playing downhill, creating for the big men when they're around, you know, utilizing our athleticism around the basket, drawing fouls, finishing at the rim. That's the way we need to play. And it, if we go away from that, I know we have Syracuse coming up, which is not an ideal opponent for that, um, I usually – but they're not going to play that zone anymore. Adrian Autry's here. Jim Beheim's gone. We should be able to attack them off the bounce. If we get away from that, it means we're being out-schemed. Because that's the way that we have to play. It is apparent to anybody at this point what our strengths are. And it's on the coaching staff to accentuate those strengths and play to them. Now, the teams we're going to play for the rest of the month, they have the same video that everybody else does. They can see what we're doing better. They can see where our success has has stemmed from offensively over the past few weeks and they can scheme accordingly. We got to you know we got to trust the coaching staff to be able to find ways to keep Tyler doing what he's doing when Sky comes back to keep him playing downhill and not settle for outside shots when the outside shots aren't falling to get Trey White involved in the offense in a way that utilizes his strengths and, and to make sure that we don't forget about Brandon Huntley Hatfield on the block. Like all those things have to keep happening. Or else, you know, we're gonna have a couple of one-off wins where we just win because we're more talented than the team we're playing. But against teams that have great coaching, great game plans, and good enough players, we're gonna get beat by double figures. And we'll find out the answers to those questions again over the next uh, over the next few weeks. Louisville, by the way, with the win over Florida State, did jump to number one seventy-nine on Ken Palm. Still not great, but better than in the two hundreds where we were this time a week ago. And they did jump in the net rankings all the way up to 193. Keep in mind, we've been in like the 260s in the net for a while. We now are 193, one spot behind Georgetown, the second worst team in the Big East, and one spot ahead of Hawaii. So, improvement. It's happening. We're excited about it. Uh, the, the, the only thing that Kenny Payne said after the game that I think raised some eyebrows is, and it's another one of those where it's like he's – Totally right. He's being honest, but maybe it's just he's being a little too honest. He talked about how he told the team, if Florida State loses to us, it wrecks their entire season. <laughs> and, you know, let's go out there and wreck their entire like, They have to play with that mentality. We can play loose and freewheeling, which is accurate. Us beating them at home was still despite the fact that it was a home game for a Louisville men's basketball team, it's a quad four loss for them. It's a quad four loss. Any outside shot they had at getting hot in conference play and going to the NCAA tournament probably got torpedoed with their loss to us Saturday night. So it's a valid message. The fact that he's able to deliver it in early February 
and have it be a legitimate message is what's depressing. Like, like <laughs> you know, I, I don't think Louisville men's basketball fans are going to take any solace in the fact that it was accurate because, hey, you know, they've got nothing to play for. We can play loose. It, it's the right message for the kids. They did come out. They clearly did play loose. But maybe we, maybe ne- this time next year, if you're still a coach, we have something to play for in February. That would be nice. It, it, it'd be... It'd be great to welcome back fun February meaningful basketball. Having said that, you're asking too much. Uh, yeah, you see, you know, no, 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 no. keep much. keep it simple. I, I think I've said having said that like three times, but but having said that, we did continue our our recent run, and I say recent, just the last two years. Kenny Payne, he's never lost the first game of February here. It's never happened. Two and zero. Last year, first game of February, Womp Georgia Tech, sixty eight fifty eight at home. This year, first game of February. A little nine-point win over Florida State. So, look, he, the man doesn't know how to do January very well. doesn't know how to do December. But you get him in February, he's winning multiple games, and he's definitely winning that first one. So, I feel good about the next few weeks. Let's get it done. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. We will take some texts from you guys. Um, um, all I see is a bunch of angry UK fans. I didn't hate the fact that, you know, you know we're while we're winning, we're playing simultaneously. We're winning, and I keep seeing the, the U.K. score flashing. That's you know, them playing from double digits behind against Tennessee the entire time. Didn't hate that. Nice little, you know, we score 101. Tennessee, they gave up 100-plus. Feels pretty good. Feels pretty good. Called that one on Friday, too. 502-414-1450. Texture says, I re-watched the game yesterday. You may have missed it, but if you look closely, you can see Steve Rummage sitting courtside wearing a Jonathan Isaac jersey. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> I hope Steve was sitting courtside. If he was, I don't think he was wearing a Jonathan Isaac jersey. Texture says, did you see Patrick Stewart playing quarterback in that Paramount Plus Super Bowl commercial? If not, you got to watch it during the break. I have not seen it. Trey, have you seen this? Seen what? I'm sorry? The commercial of Patrick Stewart playing quarterback in a Paramount Plus Super Bowl commercial. No, I have not seen that. I've not seen it. I enjoy Patrick Stewart, though. Texture says, uh, I can already tell that we've got like seven of these questions from the first 10 minutes of the show. On a scale of 1 to 10, how worried are you that Kenny will get a year three? I mean, it's a tough question to answer because I, I really and truly don't think it's going to happen. But, it, it you know, if it does, I, I think it's a terrible thing for the program. So, it's a, it's an irrational fear. Like, I, I think the, 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 like, a realistic number for it happening is, like, 5%. But my fear is still greater than a 0.5 on the 1 to 10 scale because it's a, if it does happen, I, it, it's like, <laughs> this is going to sound really mean and really over the top, but it's like, you know, if you're doing something that if it goes wrong, it's going to kill you. you the, the, the fear of death is different than the fear of getting like a knee scrape. It, it, there may be a very, very small chance that you're going to die doing something, but that fear is still more overwhelming and present than a, a much more likely chance of, of, of a fear being realized that is a, like a knee scrape, that, that's something less significant. So, so not to compare getting a, a third year of Kenny Payne with death, but I think yeah. the analogy applies. I, I, it's relevant. I, I'll put my fear at like a three overall, but I think my, my fear that it actually happens is like a, a .5. But look, with every win... I. I it's why I've said I'm not going to judge the fan base for fanning however they want to. We've had people since the start of the season who've said, 
you know, basically since we lost the exhibition game and looked so terrible in the first couple of games of November, who've said, I can't root for this team because I, I feel like moving on from Kenny Payne is what's best for the program. It gives us the best chance of being nationally relevant again as quickly as possible. And with every win, it makes it more likely that he gets brought back for a year three. And while I've not been able to, to bring myself to do that, I, I can't root against Louisville teams. It's just, it's my own personal fan philosophy. I don't judge the ones who have had the opposite view, who have said, like, I'm disappointed when they win because it does increase the likelihood that Kenny Payne comes back for a year three. And I would like to think that if we go like five and 15 or six and 14, in an ACC that is way, way, way down from where it's supposed to be. It wouldn't demand a year three. Again, you don't get bonus points because you were so historically bad last year. Nobody, when Kenny Payne was hired, whether you wanted the hire and thought it was going to work out or you were against the hire, nobody, if you rewind the clock 22 months to March of 2022, would have said, yeah, winning... 10 or 11 games in his second season, that's acceptable. I'd be on board with that. Nobody would have signed up for that. Nobody was predicting that. Everyone thought 10 or 11, 12 wins might happen in year one. Maybe they're good enough to flirt with the NCAA tournament. And then by year two, we should be a tournament team. That was the expectation. Now, people are rewriting that history and saying, well, he didn't get a chance to bring in his own team, all the NCAA stuff. But if you, like, all these same people who are saying, you got to let him work, you got to give him at least three years. Not one of them, I guarantee this, not one of them, if you'd gone back and talked to their March of 2022 selves, would have said, whoever we hire, I'm okay with it if they win 11 or 12 games in their second season. Nobody. And and now I think that we're, some people are wrapping their minds around this and saying it's okay because we only won four games in year one, and they're willing to write that off and say it wasn't his fault. The man's paid very, very well to win with a roster that he himself assembles. And in year one, he had a hand in the roster. He went after the guys that he really wanted to bring back. He let go of the guys that he didn't want to bring back. He did bring in a couple of, of transfer portal players that he liked their game. He brought in a couple of freshmen that he thought could help. And we won four games. If you want to absolve him of the entirety of blame for that, okay. You can't not at least place some of the blame on it at his feet. And now, look, he assembled this roster. He had a full offseason to implement his system, to implement his culture, and we're 7-15. and 15. We're getting better. The team's still fighting. It's not like there are no brownie points to be awarded. But, my God, this is not the standard here. It's not the expectation. And if we win four or five games more, it's still not the expectation. So, I get why the fear is out there. I get why people are fanning the way that they are. But I'm still rooting for the team. I'm still rooting at the end of the day. I'm still rooting to be wrong. I'm still hoping we can like win the conference tournament and win a couple games in the NCAA tournament. And bam, he's the guy moving forward. Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you on the Thornton Sex Line, 502-414-1450. It's also a odd anniversary that we can talk about. We'll get into that. It's all coming up in hour number two of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X.
so naive. I like Olivia Rodrigo. She's good. I'm a fan. She's good. Cut your teeth into me. Oh. I can't say the real words. Okay, I was just making sure we had the edited version. I got a little, oh, I got a little scared. When I listened to her like for the first time, the album like on Spotify, because I heard the song on the radio the first time, I was like, oh, I was kind of uh -oh. jarred by the the fame f word line there in the middle. But well, she uh, lets it go a little bit. She does. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I enjoy it. Uh, but she performed last night. I think she's performed that song. Taylor Swift got up and danced, and they was, was singing. Everyone was going crazy about that. I did love like any time I clicked on the Grammys link, it was like Taylor Swift uh, claps for Billie Eilish, and she went. I'm like, really? Do we, do we have to have breaking news updates for this? Um, but that was the. It's the Grammys. It's fine. It's all good. Um, welcome back in here. Hour number two here, the Mike Rutherford Show, uh, 1450961, The Big X. Trey Ryan is here with me producing the show. If you're looking for a football update, we got one for you coming this week. Jeff Brom, they announced today, is going to talk with the media on Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock. He'll answer questions about the 24 player transfer portal class that was recently signed. Uh, as well as any other football-related issues. If you want to talk about, you know, what, whatever else, I'm sure he'll get into that as well. You know, royal family, bad news for King Charles today. He, 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 bad he, news. He can talk about whatever he wants to. Grammys, Jeff Brom, he's, he's a jack-of-all-trades. It's going to be great. Before we get back to the text line, uh, my Mary and I were talking last night about, you know, I don't even know how it came up, but we were talking about our honeymoon, our 10-year our anniversary is coming up this summer. And, Trey, whenever you tie the knot, do you have a honeymoon destination in mind? What what would be your dream spot to go to? I actually have not given this too much thought. I think my parents went to like St. Lucia or something like okay. that. And they had a good time there. So maybe there. But I honestly have not given it too much thought. Well, you're like 20, so yeah. you, you, you don't really need to. Yeah. It's fine. But the, the list of the top 2023 honeymoon destinations came out uh, via the, the travel-centric website Honeymooners. And... I was kind of stunned by number one. I'm thinking we went to Aruba and we loved it. It was awesome. It was fantastic. It was, you know, pretty easy. Not a terrible flight. Uh, everything you want from honeymoon: rest, relaxation, great restaurants, all that good stuff. And so I'm thinking, you know, it's like it can be like Hawaii, maybe Jamaica, somewhere else in the Caribbean. The number one travel destination for honeymooners last year was Bali, Indonesia. Wow. I'm like, who are we surveying here? I don't, I don't know how much a trip to Indonesia costs, but I'm assuming it's more than our trip to Aruba cost. Um, props to you if you can make that happen. But uh, Scotland was number two, which I think also kind of surprised That's me. interesting for sure. Would love to go to Scotland. We, we enjoyed our trip to, uh, to Ireland and Northern Ireland. It was awesome. But doesn't really strike me as a great honeymoon destination. It's you know rugged shorelines, rainy weather, a lot of times in pubs, it's it's a little bit interesting. But St. Lucia was on the list actually at third, in number three. So the Ryan family ahead of the curve. They when were ahead of it. To, way ahead of it. When it comes to honeymooning, uh, I was like just wait. I was like going down the list and like waiting to see like Columbus, Ohio, or something. But uh, unfortunately, did <laughs> not make, make the list. Okay. Did not make the list. Uh, we're talking basketball today. Big night for the U of L women against NC State. That's coming up at seven o'clock tonight. Uh, big weekend for the U of L men taking down Florida State, getting their second conference victory, and doing so. In decisive fashion with a 101-92 victory. Um, Tyler Johnson making some history, picking up ACC Rookie of the Week. And uh, Brandon Holly Hatfield posting a career high as well with 29 points. Both those guys fantastic in the game. What does it really mean? We're asking you now on the Thornton Sex Line at 502-414-1450. Texture says, is it weird that the beard talk is seemingly getting louder as he goes 5-4 and four in his last nine games? 
the Chris Beard thing is, I don't know if we're just all looking for a fight. It's odd, though, that we have we, we've put ourselves in a position where we just are fixated on this conversation. We're acting, people on both sides of this, people who want Chris Beard and people who are, are very anti-Chris Beard, we're acting like we get to make this decision. Like, this is like, like Beard's already said he wants the job, and L Josh Hurd has been like, you guys get to pick. If a majority of you all want this guy, he's your next head coach. If a majority don't, we're going to look elsewhere. We've, I'm saying this for the billionth time, we have no idea if he wants the job. We have no idea if Josh Hurd wants him to have the job. You go back to just two years ago, Josh Hurd coming out and saying, if there had been any sort of question whatsoever about Kenny Payne's character, I couldn't have hired him. That's the position that I was in. Well, look, fairly or unfairly, depending on what side of the aisle you're on here, there are questions about Chris Beard's character. And if you hire Chris Beard, people are going to bring it up pretty consistently. I, I want to talk about Gary Parrish's comments on an Alabama radio show a little bit later, but he did make a point today. He was like, you know, every time Ole Miss goes on the road, there's blown up pictures of Chris Beard's mugshot. People are saying the same types of things. Like, whoever hires him next, if somebody does hire him next, you're going to have to deal with the same stuff. So, I do wonder, because the metrics still don't love this Ole Miss team. They're still they're down there at um, what are they on Ken, in like the fifth, the sixty third on Ken Palm, despite being eighteen and four overall, and having a winning record in the SEC. The metrics don't love them. The metrics believe that Ole Miss will come back down to earth at some point this season, and there are reasons to believe that. Like they, they played a very 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 vanilla non conference schedule. They beat a handful of okay teams. Like they beat NC State, who's okay. They beat Memphis, who's okay. They beat UCF, who's okay. I don't think any of those three teams are going to the NCAA tournament. They basically went 13-0 against a non-conference schedule that I don't think had an at-large NCAA tournament team on it. And now they're in the SEC, which is arguably the best conference in college basketball this year. I think it's probably the Big 12, but the SEC is second. And they're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. Their only upset loss came to LSU on the road. They've lost to Tennessee and Auburn twice. They're 5-4. and four. They're playing well. But South Carolina on Tuesday on the road, probably going to be an underdog there, could easily lose it. Then you play Kentucky on the road, could will be an underdog again. You play Mississippi State, South Carolina, Alabama, Georgia, A&M. My point is they could easily finish this regular season with a losing record in the conference. And... While they'll get into the NCAA tournament, I think, if you go like 8-10 and 10 in a league like the SEC, probably not going to be a a high seed despite having a gaudy record. I wonder if the Chris Beard talk dissipates at all. I don't think it will because most people recognize that he's doing this with, with a team that was not supposed to be this good. But it is strange that we're, you know, it, it's ratcheting up a couple of notches despite some some lopsided losses to Auburn over the last couple of weeks. And again, Auburn is very, very good. There's no shame in losing to them um, on any sort of floor, but losing them at home by 14 when you had an early lead was was not the best look. But he's, look, hell of a coach. There's no way around it. I think if he came here, he'd win games. But that's not really the question that's at play there. Texas, what's Scoot's real name? Justin Kalen. Follow him on Twitter, uh, at Justin Kalen, K-A-E-L-I-N, P-X-P. He's a play-by-play legend. Calling high school games around here. That's our guy, Scoots. Texas, who's our candidate today? Let's pick it right now. Why not? Let's do it. Coach, we, I realized we didn't do this on Friday, which made me sad. I'm sorry. But 
It's my fault. You know what happened, though? What happened? It just meant that our coaching candidate of the day from Thursday, Preston Spradlin, got more national love. He was uh, featured on a couple of the national websites. They beat Tennessee Tech 67-60. to They're 9-1 and in the Ohio Valley now and 18-5 and overall, and people were giving him some props. So I'm like, that's just the coaching searching candidate of the day doing what he does. That's just that's how it goes. That's just how he is. All right, Trey, you can speak the number today. We're going to go any number between 25 and 99. Give it to me. Let's do 31. I feel like a lot of people have picked 31. I mean. I feel like it's happened a couple of it times. Was random. 31, ooh. Okay. Yikes. No, 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 no. This is a guy that I've been high on for years. That people have actually, they gave me kind of crap for being high on this guy. Okay. I think he got a raw deal early in his career. I think he would have been a head coach much, much sooner had he not been the fall guy for some NCA stuff under head coach Bruce Pearl. Mm. When he finally did get a head coaching job, he went to East Tennessee State. Coached there for five years. All he did was win at least 24 games every single year that he was there, including going 30-4 and four in his last season there. Parlayed that into a power conference gig at Wake Forest, where you know maybe not quite as much success as some people would have liked, but it's a tough place to win. Danny Manning showed that. Every, basically every coach uh, since like the, the mid-90s has shown that it's tough to win at Wake Forest. But he's having success this year. They're number 31 on Ken Palm. They have a chance to make the NCAA tournament. He's doing the most he can with a bunch of transfer portal players. Steve Forbes. There it is. On the list. He's been talked about as a, a candidate for a number of jobs. Wake Forest uh, ponying up some money, trying to get some collective money in there to keep him around. There's a lot of buzz out there in college basketball circles that West Virginia is going to come calling for Forbes since they have an opening after uh, Bob Huggins did what he did before the start of the season. Could we snag him first? Palpable buzz that Josh Hurd and Steve Forbes are having some chats, some back and forth there. He's on the list. I think that's our – let me count this up, actually, real quickly. We go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. 21 official candidates on the list. It grows every day. It's our coaching search candidate of the day. Steve Forbes, welcome to the list. Texter says – Tyler getting 38 minutes and leading our offense reminds me of Moneyball when Brad Pitt's character traded away the other first baseman and had to play Pratt. If Clark plays, we lose that game. It's an interesting debate. I also wonder how Sky Clark feels watching that game on the bench, where you know he, he's being good. yeah. He, he, like, they showed him a couple of times and it looked like he was kind of weird. He, he was it had to have been an interesting situation for him. I mean, Sky Clark, he got he got a ton of nil money to come here. He was the biggest off-season, uh, I hate to use the word acquisition because it makes it sound like a pro sport, but this, this basically is pro sports at this point. He was the biggest addition to the roster in the off-season. And he's getting a solid amount of NIL money to come here. And I think that Kenny Payne basically built this team around him. And was not shy to say as much during the off-season. And while he's had his moments here this year, he's not been spectacular. Has had issues shooting the ball inside the arc. Has had issues shooting the ball outside the arc. He is the team's second leading scorer, but he's averaging just as many assists as turnovers per game, 2.9 in both categories. He's shooting, I mean, 37.8% from inside the arc is bad. 31.2% from three is not great either. He's been just okay. And like I said earlier, when it gets announced before the game that he's not going to play against Florida State, 
a team that is the ACC leader and one of the best teams in the entire country when it comes to steals, I'm thinking we're kind of screwed. You don't have anybody to initiate the offense. You don't have anybody to take care of the ball. And Tyler Johnson comes in and plays the best game that we've seen from a Louisville point guard in I don't know how long. A historically good game. 27 points, 11 assists. had never been done before. I don't know how you're feeling if you're Scott Clark on the bench watching that, but I think the texter's right. I think if we have Scott Clark and he's playing you know, 35, 40 minutes in that game and Tyler's coming off the bench and only playing 20, 25 minutes, I think we probably lose. And I don't know if you're... You clearly have to play Sky Clark because he's he's one of your best players, one of your better players. But I don't know if you're Kenny Payne how you can watch that on Saturday night and not say, we've got to roll with Tyler at the point. He's going to have some nights where the bad outweighs the good. But what he gives us outweighs what he takes away from us. There are going to be some head-scratching decisions. He's going to get in foul trouble. He's going to gamble defensively. He's going to take some bad shots. But my goodness, he does things that no one else on this team can do. He is a problem for opposing teams. And I don't think you look at many guys on this team. I think Brandon Huntley Hatfield's probably been the only exception this entire season. I don't think when opposing coaches are scouting our games, I don't think there's very many times where they're like, that guy's going to be an issue for us. Or that guy does this, and that's going to be a problem for us. I think we're pretty easy to scout and pretty easy to prepare for. And Tyler changes that because he's got unteachable qualities. You can't teach that quickness. You can't teach some of the passes that he can make. He made one pass. I mean, the behind-the-back pass to Huntley Hatfield for the dunk was was incredible. But he made one like wraparound bounce pass with his left hand to, I think, Mike James, who missed the layup and didn't get a foul call. That was, I mean, I, I wanted to get it on film because it was. I was like, that's one of the best passes I've seen a Louisville player make in a long, long time. He can do things that nobody else in this roster can. And I think you've got to roll with him at this point. And I hope that he stays here, whether Payne's the coach or not moving forward. Because, I, again, I think he's going to wind up being, or at least has the potential to be, a fantastic college player. Texas says, can't read that. I, mean, I don't know why you guys think that I can I, I can read these texts. I haven't been able to read them for a month. Texas new texter here. Hey, new texter. We need a new texter noise. Why hasn't Jamie Dixon been considered for the job once KP is gone? He's a proven coach who could come at a price. Thank you. I mean, I think the assumption is that Jamie Dixon's not leaving TCU. He was in a good position at Pitt. The boosters, the fans, the whatever forced him out because they thought he wasn't doing enough in the NCAA tournament. You know, be careful what you wish for. They've been you know, awful since they forced Dixon out. But he went to TCU because he played there. He's an, he's an alum. He wanted to be back home, back closer to family. He could have gone to bigger and better jobs for sure. But I, I've never heard any sort of indication that he wants to leave. He's still young, relatively speaking. I mean, young-ish. He's 58. A lot of the coaches that we're talking about are in their 60s. But I don't think he's got any interest in in leaving Texas. I think he's good there. Um, we'll find out. I, But your point is well taken. If he did want to leave TCU, it's a lot easier to win in Louisville than it is to win in Fort Worth. And he's he's TCU's been a better program than we have since he got there in 2016. And that's a testament to just how good he is at his job. I would take him here in a nanosecond, but I don't think he would come here. 
Texture says, yeah, I know. I, I know. Texture says, today I have to go to the dentist, and for some reason that makes me miserable. Well, dentists suck. Nobody likes going to the dentist. It's the worst. It's terrible. It's an awful feeling. Uh, he says, also, I have to go to the dentist, and for some reason that makes me miss Trevor. <laughs> okay. Texture says, can't read that. <laughs> Texter says, I like how you paused and had to strategically avoid saying that your son is attracted to balls. I I, I, I have to do this all the time. It's not the first time that I've had to do this because he, he is like, he loves playing <laughs> with balls. And when you say that, it sounds terrible. So I, I do have to find new ways to, to say it because, you know, if, if he sees a, uh, a kid kicking a soccer ball at the park, he gravitates towards it. If he sees a, a, a kid bouncing a basketball at the park, he gravitates towards it. And so you have to find other ways to say it than, like, my kid loves balls because it just sounds wrong when you say you it. You can't say that. You can't say it. No, but you just can't say he does, But literally, it's true. Texas Mike, talk me off the ledge. I'll try. There's a rumor that Brian Brom is a potential candidate for the useless KOC spot. Would he really take that position? This would crush my fandom. When I was a young boy, he led us to the Orange Bowl and solidified my love for UofL. If he were to coach at UK... I don't know what to do. Help us, Mike. You're our only hope. Surely not. I don't think he would go now. I do think that because you know, he was rumored to be a candidate for the job like three, four years ago. Yeah. And I do think there was some genuine interest then. Because, I mean, I'm not breaking news here. It, at some point, Brian wants to to venture out on his own and make a name for himself as a potential future head coach, and it's an understandable desire. I mean, he he's the offensive coordinator at Louisville, but everybody knows that he's playing second fiddle to Jeff. Jeff's he's an offensive minded coach. Everybody understands that you know, Brian has suggestions. Brian's working hard. Brian's game planning. Brian's you know coming up with a strategy. But at the end of the day, if Brian wants to run one play and Jeff wants to run another play, they're running Jeff's play. Like that's the that's the long and short of it. So when the offense is firing on all cylinders here, Brian will get credit for it, but he's not going to get as much credit as Jeff does. And I'm sure he would like to eventually for his own career, as much as he loves Louisville, as much as he loves working with his family, I'm sure he'd like to venture off on his own and, and create more of a name for himself. I don't know if that would happen at Kentucky. I think in the past he has been interested in that job just because it's a power conference OC job where, you know, Kentucky, even when they've been good, they've not been known for having dynamic offenses. If you're the guy who goes in there and turns UK into a team that can score, you know, 38 points per game uh, against quality competition in the SEC, that's going to bode well for your long term future as a college football coach. But I don't know if he would leave right now. I don't. And I haven't talked to him about this, so I'm not speaking from personal experience or anything. I don't think he would take the job, just given the timing of it all. But I can't say that for sure. So probably not doing a good job at talking you off the ledge. But I do know that, that there are a lot of UK fans who want him there. They want Will Stein too. They 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 can't keep their mitts off former Louisville quarterbacks. They're going to be going after Hunter Cantwell next after he wins another state title. I don't know. Stephon LaFour is bringing him in. Back away from our guys, UK. Stop. Texas says... Um, Mike mentioned someone texting something nice about a co-host for the first time in a while. I'd like to apologize for my suck at comments last week. 
Trinity and Bellarmine are fine schools. There are no Ballard and UofL, but fine. The show has been a little meaner for a while. I think we're all in a form of withdrawal. Speaking of Bozak Smith, a family friend call him Prozac, called him Prozac Smith, one of the best nicknames ever. Well, that's mean. Or is it a good thing? Is he injecting more life into all of us? That's what Bozak did. That's who he is. That's what he does. I don't. Has the show gotten meaner? I don't think so. I don't think people were. Some people were mean to Scoot sometimes, but that just comes with territory. People are. People are always mean to Trevor. People are mean to me. It's fine. Is what it is. Is it's how the relationship works. You can text in whatever you want. We love it. Texas says Mike saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I get it. I'm reading that one too. Yeah. <laughs> Texas, who has more enthusiasm, Trey Ryan doing the Cluckers ad or KP in any press conference after a win or loss? It's got to be KP. <laughs> it's got to be KP. It's Trey Ryan for Cluckers. Uh, KP was he was in um he was in good spirits after the win. He seemed to be, yeah. You know, sometimes you you never know if anything's going to lift him up. Now he did talk to the the media today via the ACC coaches teleconference, and apparently that's going to serve as his his pregame availability for Wednesday. So we will not hear from Kenny Payne uh, on Wednesday. He, to my knowledge, didn't say anything of any real consequence today. I think it was um, just kind of the straightforward stuff. Spoke the praises of Tyler. Spoke the praises of some other guys. We did find out today, and I don't know if this was broken during the coaches' teleconference or, or if UofL just released it on its own. Hersey Miller is going to miss the rest of the season. The backup walk-on point guard who started three games this season, played in 11 games this season, hasn't done a whole lot, if we're being honest. Uh, three assists and a rebound, 11 points. That's all he had this year. He's dealing with a uh, ongoing hip injury. He's going to have a medical procedure done in California to address it and will not be with the team for the rest of the season. So that was announced on Monday. He's been out for about a week and a half. It's a, been a weird thing. Um, they haven't really talked about what was going on outside of saying that he's been seeking a medical uh, consultation out of the state, but there it is. Hersey Miller, done for the year. He becomes the third Louisville player this season to have their season cut short by injury. Dennis Evans, of course, uh, had the health issue that are presumed health issue that, that forced him to not be medically cleared. Uh, that resulted in him leaving the program. Trent, or J.J. Trainer dealing with a shoulder injury. He's out for the season. And then if you toss in the fact that Trenton Flowers left the program in August after a couple of practices, and then Karan Davis was kicked off the, uh, the, the team in December, I guess technically November, we've had five guys who were on the roster on August 1st that are not available for Kenny Payne down the stretch here. And again, like if you're one of those people that we're seeing on the text line who's paranoid about the potential of Kenny Payne being brought back for a third year, like this is one of the reasons why. He's got a working excuse a little bit here, and if he overachieves to the point where we feast on some of these bad teams in the in the ACC in February, and we do wind up winning 11 or 12 overall games, and we're like the 12th seed in the conference tournament, maybe win a game in the conference tournament, people can say, look at what he did despite all these, these hurdles, all these injuries, all this uh, off-the-court drama with Trenton Flowers, Dennis Evans having something that nobody could have ever predicted, um, the Karan Davis drama, like persevered. Once he got all of that out of the way, the guys who stayed, the guys who were healthy, they really got the system. They got the culture. They bought in, and we reaped the benefits of it. And imagine how good we can be in year three. I saw someone, and I'm not sure if they were 
being genuine or not, who was talking about how if we give Kenny Payne a third year, we could have Tyler, Sky Clark, DJ Wagner, Carter Knox, and Brandon Huntley Hatfield, and you know we'll be ready to go. I don't know if it was a troll post or not. I I, I can't tell at this point anymore. The the difference between genuine takes and sarcasm is has been lost on me. I can't identify it anymore. But I, I don't think DJ Wagner's coming here. I don't think we're going to get Carter Knox. Um, but keep dreaming. Why not? Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys in the Thornton text line at 502-414-1450. Keep hitting us up. It's a Monday reaction show, reacting to a victory. Always better than reacting to a loss. Here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. I put good in my kidneys. This don't come with no jealousy. We're back in Mike show. Monday edition here. Hope your weekend was fantastic. Both in sports and non-sports way. Cards get the job done Saturday night. Uh, win over Florida State 101-92. The women will look to uh, launch an even bigger victory tonight or secure an even bigger victory tonight when they take on NC State number three in the country. Seven o'clock tip off from Raleigh on ESPN2. We've uh, we've talked a lot about the, the basketball things today. Uh, we, we, we've mentioned Kenny Payne did do the ACC coaches teleconference. Here's the the only notable quote that I saw from his time this morning. And again, this will serve as his pregame media availability for Wednesday night's game at Syracuse. He talked about the success they had in the win over FSU and said, "Now it has to translate. I don't want it to be a light switch where all of a sudden we play great. Uh, we play great in games." but we have bad practices. I want our preparation to be tight. I want our preparation to be hard and us to embrace it, to dominate the practice, and then have it translate to a game. Nothing, again, nothing earth-shattering there. He talked about the Hersey Miller news, uh, who's going to be out for the year. But that's uh, that's about it. That was uh, that was Kenny Payne talking about the win over FSU, which, you know, I don't know how much it does. I think where we are right now, this is something that, that, that troubles me. It worries me when I see it. We're so broken overall as a fan base that I'm seeing like a lot of people that are just delighting in the possibility of somebody or some buddies who don't agree with them on this whole like should they fire Kenny Payne, should they not fire Kenny Payne. They just kind of want the other person to be wrong. And I think that's obnoxious. I I think you're seeing people that now it's becoming tribalism when it comes to the candidate they want. The Chris Beard thing is the is the most obvious example. But you also have people that just don't want Mick Cronin for a variety of reasons or who really want Mick Cronin for a variety of reasons. People who, you know, want KP just because it'll piss off and annoy people that don't want KP and vice versa. 
I mean, my this is why I've been saying this for like, geez, like three years at this point. The winning can't happen soon enough. And it seems like the most obvious statement in the entire world. Of course, winning makes everybody happy. But the, the, the fracturing that continues on in this fan base, we are so on edge constantly. We are so ready. It's the, the sports equivalent of when you've just had a bad day, but you haven't had any place to release that emotion. So you just kind of bottled up. Maybe you got yelled at at work for something that really wasn't your fault or your boss was just kind of an ass to you for no reason. And you come home and maybe it's a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, kids, just friend, whatever, Gil. And they say something that's relatively innocuous. They're just, it's nothing big. But you just snap. And it's not really about what they did or what they said. It's about the, uh, the the stuff that you have going on deep, deep inside you, the heart of the issue. And I think that's where we are as Louisville basketball fans. When we get really, really mad at each other about our stance about Kenny Payne, our stance about Chris Beard, our stance about Mick Cronin, our stance about Jerome Tang, our stance about Josh Hurd, whatever. It all goes back to the fact that we are so broken and pissed off that we haven't gotten to celebrate a good Louisville men's basketball season now in going on seven years. That's what this is all about. That's what this is really about. Quick therapy session right there. Therapist could have you know taken seven weeks to get that out of you. I'm telling you right now, when you get upset about this sort of thing, that's what this all goes back to. I mean, you watch, Saturday was an incredible slate of college basketball games. Incredible. You've got a top 10 matchup at the top of the Big 12 between the old guard and the new guard with Kansas and Houston. You've got Carolina Duke round one, which always delivers, even though it didn't really deliver on Saturday. You got Kentucky, Tennessee. You got Patino versus Danny Hurley, UConn, St. John's. I mean, it's loaded from start to finish. And these are the types of uh, of weekends that we typically were at or near center stage for. It was fun to watch all the other teams across the country, all the other top twenty five teams do battle, but you were looking forward to your game the most and, and it was going whether you played it like noon or six or eight or whatever like you knew that you were a part of the show you were a part of the, the the thing that everybody was talking about and for us to be so far removed from that I think it's taken a toll on everybody and that's why we're so on edge and that's why we're all so desperate to get back hopefully it happens soon because I don't know if we can do another year or two of this 502-414-1450 is the Thorns text line texture says God, I mean, there's so many of these texts if we get to 12 and 13 wins and we get one ACC tourney win and people start pounding the team for a Kenny Payne year three, can we please get a Mike Rutherford rant sometime between March 10th and April 1st if KP hasn't been canned yet? Maybe. I mean, the thing is, here's the weird thing about us potentially waiting for that buyout to drop on March 31st. Is Let's say that your scenario takes place. Let's say that the awkwardness happens. Let's say it makes it weird. We have a winning record in February, or we have a 500 record in February. We finish, what, 7-13 and 13 in the ACC, and we've got 12 wins, 13 wins maybe in the conference, or overall for the regular season. And we're, you know, we're, the, we're, the, we're the 12 seed, we're the 11 seed, we're the 13 seed. We win a game in the conference tournament. We play really good in the second round. We look like a totally different basketball team for the last month and a half of the season than we did in November, December, and, and most of January. And then we just don't hear anything. Conference tournaments re- finish up. 
first couple rounds of the NCAA tournament happen, and it's just dark from the AD office. No firing message, no, you know, players aren't announcing that they're heading into the portal, and we just don't know anything. It's going to be the weirdest few weeks in the entire world because we'll be sitting there wondering, is Josh talking to people and just waiting for the buyout to drop? Or is Josh going to tell us here in a couple of weeks that, that KP is getting a third year? My gut tells me that if Kenny Payne's getting a third year, we know very quickly after the season ends because he's going to want Kenny Payne to recruit the active roster and to, to get busy in the transfer portal and all that good stuff. But I don't know that for sure. Nobody's going to know that for sure. That could be... That could be insanely, insanely awkward. Texter says, I saw State of Lou uh, reply to Gary Parrish that we don't have crazy money at Louisville. I don't find that to be true. Knowing the buyouts we still owe and after the financial reports numbers that we saw, I feel like Louisville can afford any coach they want for basketball, knowing the revenue it will bring. Risk equals reward. Large boosters know how important the success of the team is to the city and the surrounding businesses. Are you concerned about affording who we want? One, let's talk about the Parrish comments. Gary Parrish went on a Alabama radio station to, earlier today. Um, the Next Round is the name of the of, of, of the site. I guess it's not technically an it's, it's a podcast. They talk college basketball. One of the hosts is an Alabama guy. And he mentioned a couple of names specifically when it came to the Louisville job. Chris Beard and Nate Oates. He talked about Beard in basketball terms glowingly. He said, you know, I wouldn't have hired Chris Beard. I don't think many programs would have hired Chris Beard. Ole Miss did. And he's the guy now in basketball circles that everyone talks about when it comes to he runs the best practices. Like, if you go to a Chris Beard practice, you're just blown away. He's like, it's been various guys at various points in time in my career covering college basketball. Right now, Chris Beard's the guy. He's one of the best coaches in all of college basketball. There's no question about it. I don't know if a program like Louisville could hire him because of the, you know, the the, the allegations against him, the, the 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 arrest, all that stuff. Parrish goes to so far as to say that he wouldn't hire him, but says what we all know, which is he's a hell of a basketball coach. He also talks about Nate Oates and says, if I'm Louisville, Nate Oates is on my very short list of potential candidates. He plays a style that is modern. He has that that brash persona that I think translates to a place like Louisville. And then he does go so far as to say, I think it's actually one of the hosts who says, I'm an Alabama fan. I want NATO's to stay as long as possible. We love going to the games. But Louisville's that one job out there that you look at and you say, they've got a ton of cash. They can afford the the $10 million buyout. They have more history than we do. I'm scared that if Louisville comes calling, NATO's will say thanks, but no thanks. And Parrish does, like, you know, he says, if you want to talk about how good the Louisville job is, he, he brings up the Chris Mack reference, which is Mac was coaching at his alma mater in the Big East with a team that had just gone to the NCAA tournament as a number one seed for the first time in program history and still couldn't turn down the Louisville job. So you know, he's like, if, if, if it was good enough for Chris Mack, it's probably going to be good enough for Nate Oates and a lot of the other guys that we're talking about, which I agree with. The unlimited money thing, it has like this is also a source of, uh, of a ton of controversy because publicly, yeah, there are, are are records which showcase the fact that we're still paying some old coaches, some old administrators. We're not as as rich as we used to be when it came to the when it comes to specifically the men's basketball program. 
but I do like. I, I don't want to give anything away. Like people who are very close to the men's basketball program, people who are very close to big boosters, people who are, who are boosters themselves, they all go back to the same thing. It, it's this cryptic message of if we really need the funds to go out there and get somebody, there's nobody that we can't get right now. And I don't know if that's just posturing. I don't know if that's just telling somebody like me what I want to hear. But if you have a big-time booster who's avail- who's willing behind closed doors to come to Josh Hurd and say, look, if you need this amount of money for a buyout, whether it's to buy out Kenny Payne or to pay the buyout at another school, I can I can help you with that. Like That's not going to be public knowledge. That's, that's not going to be something that you see on any, anybody's database. And I think that there are people out there that have expressed that willingness to help out. But exactly how much it is, I have no idea. Uh, again, it's all conjecture. It's all speculation. But the one point that I get to is, and, and again, like these are people that I trust. These are people that I, I think know what they're talking about. These are people who have been instrumental in big decisions of the past. I think they, when they were talking about Mick Cronin months ago, it was it kept going back to like you know we can make it happen if we want to. There's a plan in place. Yeah, the buyout tie. If it comes down to it, we'll make it happen. And I feel like that will ultimately be the case when if they decide on a coach they really like. Let's say that Josh decides that that just Nate Oates is the guy. He's the can't miss hire. He checks every single box. He's going to bring Louisville men's basketball back to the place that it's supposed to be. I feel like he finds the funds. I feel like a $10 million buyout doesn't hold him back. I don't know that. That's where I rest on this issue. I I think they'll find the funds. Texter says, against FSU, I kept wondering how would this look if Trainer were playing too. Guard play like that with BHH and Trainer as targets would be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how, how JJ would have fit into a game like that. He, the issue with with Trainer and Huntley Hatfield is they kind of do the same types of things. They Trainer's a, a, a he's more willing to go to the outside. I think that they're about the same kind of outside shooter. I think Trainer's more willing to go to the outside because he doesn't have the type of body that Huntley Hatfield does. But they it almost feels like they get in each other's way when they're out there. Now, if you're saying like Trainer could have helped us because he would come off the bench and and give. BHH a little bit of a rest and he could do the same things that BHH was doing while he was on the bench then yeah maybe but I don't, I don't know I mean I I think in some situations having the shorter bench just works better and just kind of letting the guys go out there and play and it seemed like that it's exactly what happened on Saturday I'm not saying we're better long term without Sky and Trainer, but in this particular game we, we were better without Sky and Trainer. Texture says, Tyler is the man. I've been singing his praises since day one. I'm in favor of about five guys on this team certainly coming back, but Tyler and BHH are the ones that we really need to keep. I still like Glenn, Williams, Sky, and Trey White sometimes, but I think to get better, Trey and Curtis may need to go to make space for better players, and if Sky is still going to be fake playing point guard, he can go too. He's an L. Ellis type of point guard, and you can't win that way. And also, again, from day one, I said you start Tyler at the point guard and start Sky at shooting guard. I'm sorry for the long-winded text, but lastly, Kenny Payne is 2-0 against the state of Florida this year. Go Cards, fire Kenny Payne, go get Billy D. I'm with you on 
the nucleus of this roster being something that you can build around moving forward. Like there's whether it's Kenny Payne or somebody else, if you bring back the five or six best players on this roster and then get some key pieces to, to, to build around them to fill in some of the gaps, you can win right away. And I don't know how realistic that is. You'd be, and I mean, another thing is, I don't know how loyal these kids are to Kenny Payne. I don't, I don't know if it's a situation where they've already made it known. If Kenny's gone, we're gone. I, I, I would definitely think with Scott Clark that would be the case. He basically just came here for Kenny Payne. I don't know how attached Trey White is. Uh, I don't know how attached Trey White is to NIL. I don't know how. I mean, it, let's say we are we do shell out a ton of money to bring in a new head coach. How much money do you have for NIL at that point? to lure guys like BHH and Ty Law and, and other guys back. Because now, other programs are coming after these kids. They see the talent too. They see the numbers. Tyler Johnson just made history on, on Saturday night. That's going to get him on a lot of these transfer portal logs that these these coaches keep track of. You're going to have to you have to pay these guys to come back. And Huntley Hatfield, I mean... He came here with the intention of being a one-and-done guy at Louisville. He wanted to be gone after last season and realized, I think, with the season that we had and the season that he had individually, that wasn't it just simply wasn't possible. And so he's back for that reason. I think he still wants to go pro. I, I think that he entered the season hoping it was going to be his last year of college basketball. And like, I think his mentality right now is that he's hoping that it's still his last year of college basketball. I don't know that, but it's like that's always been kind of the buzz. I don't know if you, a guy like that you can lure back for one more year. But if you get BHH back, if you get Tyler back, if you can get Curtis Williams back, who I really like, uh, Trainer's a great glue guy for the future. I mean, for for as like a senior leader, um, I would take Caleb Glenn back. I think there are limitations there that have to get a lot better, but I still would take him back. I think he's a good glue guy as well. If you can bring those guys back and then bring in some key transfers, there's no reason why the right coach, whether it's Kenny Payne or somebody else, can't have next year's team in the NCAA tournament. Firmly believe that. Firmly believe that this year's team should be way closer to the NCAA tournament than they are right now. But the nucleus is good enough to get you in that discussion 12 months from now, for sure. Texture says, reporter, quote, why was Sky Clark out? Did you still not start Tylar? KP, because I thought it gave us the best chance to win. Reporter, did Tyler use him not starting as motivation for his outburst? KP, I have no clue what goes on in that kid's mind. If we could figure out what motivated him, we would all be called geniuses. Millions of dollars the staff gets paid, and then you just hear this stuff. My favorite part of not starting Tyler Johnson, because KP didn't say it, but my hunch is that the reason why he didn't start Tyler is because the team played well down the stretch against Clemson without a point guard. And he's thinking, you know, keep that momentum going. Mike James did a good job. Curtis Williams did a good job. Trey White did a good job initiating the offense. And, and maybe that can, and very clearly, quickly, it became clear on Saturday night that it wasn't going to, to work out. And then Tyler came in and it was very obviously better. And he just kept Tyler in for the rest of the game. But my favorite part of us doing that keeping him on the bench for two minutes and then playing him the rest of the game, is Leonard Hamilton after the game saying that it was like some just brilliant chess move by Kenny Payne. He's like, yeah, they're playing head games there, not starting him. We knew he was going to play a lot. I'm like, I don't think he was playing head games at all. I think <laughs> I think he was just hoping that the momentum from the end of the Clemson game would carry over into this game. 
Texture says, Mike, is it fair to say that we wouldn't be such a high-scoring offense if our defense was better? Like, our opponents are, like, we can score 100 on these guys. We can slack a bit on our defensive effort. I don't know. Um, probably. Maybe. The thing is, we keep talking about this team as if it's like a a Kentucky-esque differential between our offense and defense. The disparity is like, you know, we're one of the best offensive teams in the ACC, but the worst defensive team. We're, we're bad at both still. I mean, we're 181st in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency and 214th in defensive efficiency. So we are the we are the 13th best offense in the ACC and the worst defense in the ACC. It's not like we're Loyola Marymount from the early 90s. It's just, you know, we're, we're not really good at anything still. But we scored the ball well on Saturday. We'll find out if that's uh, if that's repeatable on Wednesday night against Syracuse. But as far as like teams, I, I I don't know what the deal was. I mean, we scored what one point one seven points per possession against FSU. It's a very very solid clip. We look like a different team offensively in that game, and we've had stretches. I mean, you had stretches in the Carolina game where you played well on offense. You had stretches in the NC State game, certainly where you played well on offense, but. I think sometimes fans get fixated on that because we're so used to seeing the the, the bad basketball and then we just kind of forget the 8-12 to 12 minute stretches where we just look like we we can't do anything well on offense and the ones where we look good stick out a little bit more because it's like, oh, that's that's different. That's new. That We, we can build around that. And the reality is all 40 minutes count the same. So we're not a great offensive team, but we're better than we are defensively, which is not saying much. Texter says... Is Scoots a fan of Olivia Rodrigo now or when she first started? <laughs> He's always been a fan. Yeah, I, I mean, the underage jokes are just, he's oh, he's never going to live them down. Oh, goodness. He's never, he made one mistake and he didn't back down quickly enough from that mistake either was the issue. When you say that somebody was better looking at 14 than they are as like an attractive 29-year-old, Come on, Scoots. you need to quickly realize your mistake and go back on it. And he was just kind of like, yeah, you know, I, mean, I was like, Scoots, please. I'm begging you for the sake of this radio station. I need you to, to apologize for what you just said. <laughs> Texture says, am I allowed to confirm that? I'm not, but I can say yes to your text. Yes. <laughs> Texture says, besides the fact that it ruined an opportunity to compete for a national title, being excluded from the CFP also cost FSU additional revenue that could have been used for Leonard Hamilton's buyout. I mean, the other thing is Florida State fans just don't care enough about basketball to to pony up that kind of cash. I'll, I'll, I mean, I, I feel like I gave this spiel, spiel last year, the first time we played them. I'll repeat it now. The Leonard Hamilton thing of Florida State's done. It's over. He's one of those guys, he's not going to adjust to the new game. He's not. He's, he's going to keep doing things the way that he had been doing it because it had been working. He's 75 now. I know he looks 40. God bless him. But this, these are the last years uh, of Leonard Hamilton at Florida State for sure. They had a nice little run where they finally started winning some games in the NCAA tournament. I, I do feel terrible that he had his best season at FSU cut short by 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 COVID, they never got a chance. That, you know, they won the ACC regular season title. They were twenty six and five. They were number five or whatever it is in the AP poll that they have on that banner, and they didn't get a chance to compete in the NCAA tournament. 
like the, the the notion that they were going to win though the whole national title is I think outrageous. Leonard Hamilton's always spit the bit in the NCAA tournament, even when they made it to the Elite Eight. He did a really dumb thing down the stretch and just didn't foul to extend the game against uh, Houston, or I guess it was the Sweet 16 the year before. Like they, he's not great in the tournament. He never has been. And since they went to the Sweet 16 in 2021, they went 17 and 14 the year after that. They were nine and 23 last year, and we just tanked any chance they had of making the NCAA tournament this year. It's going to be three straight years without going to the NCAA tournament. They're not recruiting the way they used to. They're not getting guys in the transfer portal that they need if they want to keep 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 competing at the level that they had been before COVID. Like it's done. They're like maybe he gets to the tournament at some point in the next couple of years, but they're not going to be a realistic threat to win the ACC or to play deep in the tournament ever again while he's there. I'm saying it, my Dabo take, reiterating. Texas says, I kind honestly, I get kind of excited when Louisville wins games like it did on Saturday. It makes me hopeful, hopeful for the future that a coach who knows what they are doing can start winning games immediately, and this doesn't have to be two to three more years without getting to the tournament. Yeah, I, I, again, if you bring in a new coach, Sky Clark's gone. I, I think that's pretty obvious. I think Trey White's probably gone. He may be gone anyway. Like He may be one of these guys that just... He's going to go bag for bag from program to program. He plays for four schools in four years. I can see Trey White being that type of guy, which, again, is fine if you want to do it in this day and age. But if you can get Mike James to come back, and I'm not, Mike James, I think, is he, he clearly has a close relationship with Kenny Payne, but I think he loves Louisville. If you get him, Huntley Hatfield, and then the freshman, bring back Tyler, bring back Curtis Williams. Caleb Glenn, sure, bring him back. Maybe toss in J.D. Trainer back for another year, another guy who came here for the program as opposed to the head coach. If you get that, what was that, six guys? If you get that and make it your core for next year, and then maybe bring maybe T.J. Robinson winds up signing and comes here as a freshman, or maybe you get a late addition, I don't know who we would hire, who could do this, but maybe gets a late addition from the freshman class, and then you bring in three, four, five transfer portal guys who all can fill a role. I'm not saying that this should be the expectation. I'm saying that going to the NCAA tournament next year is a realistic possibility. The right coach will have you in that discussion. I firmly believe it. And if you bring back the nucleus of this year's team, I believe it doubly so. Let's take a... We'll we'll wrap up hour number two on that note. Hour number three is on the way next. I got some national notes to get to, a couple other local notes to get to. Certainly lots of text from the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. And then we'll end the hour by making some predictions about tonight's games, uh, both on the men's and then on the women's side with UofL taking on NC State. It's hour number three. It's next here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big X.
Five o'clock hour here of the Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. Post-Grammys edition. Post-Florida State victory edition. We're celebrating all things here. Uh, Cardinal and Grammy on the Mike Rutherford Show. Here on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. Trey Ryan is here from Cluckers, producing the hell out of the show. Um, Trey, people are people want to hear your thoughts on this. Okay. Do you or do you not plan on bringing a sweetheart to the WJIE Valentine's Dance? To be honest, I wasn't planning on attending, but if I was attending, then yes, I would bring a sweetheart. Sweetheart dance? Yeah, you have to, right? I can't get Scoots to come. I feel like you need to make an appearance for the show. I might just have to. We, Scoots isn't going to be there then. Come not bringing Gil. They're, they're on the rocks there. Would you ever be open to uh, speed dating? Preferably at the quarry. Speed dating. Are you familiar with the, 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 the concept of speed dating? I, I mean, I'm assuming it's pretty self-explanatory, but not all the way familiar. Basically, lots of people sign up for this. You have like a, a five-minute conversation with somebody. You kind of write down their info. You move on to the next person. You have like 20 mini dates you know, over like an hour and a half time period. And then if you, you kind of felt like you had a connection with somebody, you get in contact with them with the afterward and you ask about like actually going out on a real date. So there, there are speed dating events all over the city. And I have been trying to get Scoots and to a lesser extent Trevor to go to some of these speed dating events. There was one in November at the quarry. And Scoots was just like diametrically opposed to it. Just like refused to do it. He didn't, he didn't like the fact that it was at the quarry. Didn't want to lower himself to this. But I, there are a couple of Valentine's Day speed dating events. And I feel like we need to get... I, I think Scoots needs a nudge in that direction. We, we have to get him out there. He's got to meet some people. Yeah, he's not, I don't feel like you're right. He's not going to do it on his own. We definitely have to be kind of just kick him out there a little bit. Make him go. I mean, if you're Scoots in 15 years and, you know... The well has dried up a little bit. Maybe you're looking for a, a spark. You still have dreams of getting married, having your own family and stuff. Would you be open to something like speed dating? I think uh, you'd have to be. You, you know? have to be open. You'd have to be. I, I feel like you'd have to Thank be. You. If in Scoot's position, you not not knocking Scoot's at all, but I'm just saying you kind of have to be open to pretty much not everything, but stuff like speed dating, I feel like that would be a good thing for Scoots. Give it a shot. Give and it a shot. It, it's a great meet-cute story to tell your, your grandkids. Yeah, what if it works out? Right. Yeah, awesome we, I was doing a radio show. I kind of got put, didn't really want to do it, and met the love of my life. I, we, 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 this is make the year that we force Scoots to do stuff that he didn't want to do, 2024. We're going to get him out there. We're going to make it happen. It's going to be great. Uh, this is also a kind of infamous anniversary around these parts. February 5th here. Uh, it pops up on my my like Facebook memories now every single year because I was a lot of posts happening on this day. It's exactly eight years ago to the day that Louisville banned itself from the postseason in 2015-16, the, the NCAA tournament and the ACC tournament in the wake of the Katina Powell stuff, which had broken the previous September. And, I mean, Trey, you were young. It's weird. That, like, for me, like – I was in kind of the same place in life. I was still married, lived in the same house, was doing most of the same jobs, right. didn't have kids. But like, it, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. I mean, for you, you're like what? Like, you're, you're like 11, 12 years old. Yeah, yeah. It it was honestly because, uh, like you said, being that young, I didn't really know what to make of everything that was going on. So I kind of just had to like listen to whatever like my dad was telling me at the time. But like, like you said, it was it was almost surreal. Like I didn't really believe like or understand the severity of what was going on until probably the title was gone. And that's whenever it was kind of like, oh, God, what do we do? It still was one of the, I mean, even as an adult, looking back on it now, 
one of the more surreal days it of, just of didn't of feel my real. Fa- it, it didn't. And no. It, it was one of those days where the news progressed like it like bad news typically does. Yeah. Um I started getting some texts that morning, like hear, hearing that you know, we're we're gonna take ourselves out of the NCAA tournament. And then you see the email come in about the scheduled meeting between the, the board of trustees and then Jurich and Patino gonna speak and all this stuff. And, and then you get like the behind the scenes text from somebody who's like, It's it's done. They're going to announce that they're banning themselves from the tournament. And then I think people start tweeting about it. And you're like, you're 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 just kinda hoping the entire time that some signals got crossed, some wires got crossed, and that the message got lost in translation that this isn't actually going to happen. And then when the official story comes out, it, it's it's crushing. It's heartbreaking. And I, I remember you know, we were on 93.9 at the time. We went on the air early, and then we stayed on the air till like 8 o'clock because people were just calling in. And it was, it was maybe the most mad I've been as a fan, which is saying something yeah. <laughs> when you take it to kind of the last couple of years. But... And now there's been there's been a little bit of rewriting of history. I think a lot of people that were okay with it at the time and that saw it as a smart move are saying, oh, I hated it then. Because I very much felt like I was on an island at that time. And again, like I agreed with most of the decisions that UofL had been making up until that point. I certainly agree with a lot of what Tom Jurich did and, and still like love and respect Tom Jurich. But... And there was debate at that time. like you know, Was it really him? Was it James Ramsey? I think there was still a little bit of debate. But right away, I was like, this is wrong. And it wasn't because I thought it was a strategically wrong thing to do. The argument at the time was taking the hit now allows you to keep the momentum of the program going forward after this this month and a half, after this month. Because we were recruiting really well at that time. Rick was, the program was, was hitting on all cylinders. And you there was a sense that we were going to be even better in 2017 than we were in 2016. And so you you know, you thought, let's say we go to the NCAA tournament this year and we're a Sweet 16 team, but nothing else. Cool, we had that run, but knowing that we're, we're, we're going to have a total offseason, a full year, where we know we're not going to be able to play in the 2017 NCAA tournament, it's going to tank your recruiting in this cycle, it's going to potentially tank your recruiting in the next cycle, guys who are on the roster are going to go elsewhere, and, and we're going to like waste two years. Like, it, like, it's better now to deal with a month with the fans knowing that there's really nothing to play for at the end of the year than a full 12 months right. of the fans knowing that there's nothing. And, and again, like, strategically, it made sense. I thought it was just a crap thing to do to the, those kids. To have it happen on February 5th, where you're a month away from the biggest time of the year, the time of the year that Damian Lee came here for and Trey Lewis came here for, to have it stripped away and to have it happen immediately on the heels of the biggest win of the season. They'd just beaten the number one ranked team in the country in North Carolina. They'd just beaten them that week. It was it was their signature victory. It was the first time where I think we really thought, damn, like if they can beat Carolina, they can beat anybody. And that makes things way more fun as we hit the stretch run here. You know, the the analytics thought that was the top ten team. I think they finished that year at number nine on Ken Palm. I think number number seven on Ken Palm. They were going to be a top four seed, maybe a top three seed in the NCAA tournament. No team has ever had a postseason ban against a better team than the one that Louisville self-imposed in 2016. A lot of times it was just a kind of a cowardly punishment. Teams would be having bad Syracuse did this, where they were having a, a crap year. It's obvious that they weren't going to make the big dance. 
And so, hey, like, let's go ahead and get this out of the way now. Self-imposed NCAA tournament ban for a team that wasn't going to make it or a team that was going to barely make it and not really do any damage. We did the opposite. Like, we banned a team that was going to be a contender that was really good. And we the only benefit that we gained was not having that ban instituted by the NCAA a year later, which means we gained a win over Jacksonville State in the NCAA tournament. That's it. And you can say, well, we got Donovan Mitchell for a sophomore season, um, and, and maybe there's some truth to that. Maybe Donovan goes somewhere else and plays uh, as a sophomore if he can't play in the NCAA tournament here in his second year. Maybe. But at the end of the day, records-wise, all we gained was a win over Jacksonville State in the NCAA tournament. And it's it's sad. I don't think it was worth it. I think it was a crap decision then. I mean, I there was a an NCAA tournament committee member who spoke anonymously like a month after this and said, there's no smoking gun here with Louisville. Like, why would they go ahead and act? Why wouldn't they fight the NCAA tooth and nail? I do think the NCAA would have gone ahead and banned us from the 2017 NCAA tournament, but I, who knows? Who knows what would have happened? Working with them benefited us zero. The old mentality, that one of the, the very few things that I learned, remembered from my, my law days, was an attorney telling me, nobody talks, everybody walks. We should have followed it. Nobody talks, everybody walks. Nobody should have talked in this. We should not have worked with the NCAA. We should have fought them tooth and nail. Instead, we did the opposite. And it led to one of the saddest months that I remember as a Louisville men's basketball fan. And I thought the the whole we've got your back thing was so phony. It, it, it was. And I can say it more outwardly now than I could back eight years ago, even though I kind of, I, I feel like I did a pretty good job at making sure that my disdain was known because we didn't have anybody's back. We didn't have those kids back. We, we gave Trey Lewis and Damian Lee like a Champions of Life ring or whatever it was. It was, it was so lame. It, it was such a, hey, we feel guilty about screwing you guys completely. Let's try and do these little things to make up for it. And to their credit, and to that entire team's credit, they played insanely hard for the rest of the season. They never made excuses. They beat a good Duke team um, not long after the punishment had been handed down. They you know, they beat Syracuse. They you know, they lost to a, a couple of like the last game they played at Virginia, and it was obvious that they the heart wasn't really in it. They'd already gone through the Senior Day festivities that week and you know, got gotten the rings and all that stuff. But it was for all the low points that we've had over the last. I mean, basically since the 2015 NCAA tournament. To me, that was a, about as low as it gets. And I know that we've been worse from a basketball standpoint since then, but it just, that felt like the unofficial start of the bad times. And I guess you can go back and say, well, it was the day that the Powell story broke or whatever. But that was the first day where it was just like, damn, like this, this sucks. Everything was going so great. We had all the momentum in the world. The program was rolling. And then this, and you were hoping that it was going to be as simple as just power through, like I've been saying, power through these next five weeks, power through these next six weeks. You were hoping that it was going to be that simple back then too. Power through these five, five or six weeks and, and we'll be fine. And honestly, we would have been fine if the FBI thing had never happened. We basically made it through the Katina Powell thing and yet you know, the banner came down and the, the records were vacated. But from the standpoint of continuing to build on the momentum that we'd gained as a program, I know we lost in the second round. We were a two seed in 2017. We had a top preseason top 10 roster going into 2017-18 before the FBI stuff broke. We were recruiting it incredibly well. Patino was back in his element. Patino was had the, the mojo going again. And 
we would have weathered that storm. We just couldn't weather two of them. And, and then, you know, poor decision-making by university leaders has added on to our problems and has put us in the place where we are now, which is trying to figure a, a way to dig ourselves out of this gigantic hole, which didn't need to be this deep, but also if you could have avoided the FBI thing, I think we would have been just fine. But February 5th, 2016, very, very sad day. Eight-year anniversary. I was going through my tweets from that day, and it was it was just so sad to read. But, I, you know, it was also one of those where I'm like, just get used to it, young Mike. It's not going to – it's not getting better anytime soon. Speaking of Rick Pitino, I did see, you know, DePaul Day here died when we lost the home game to DePaul in, in Chris Max last year. It's gone forever. You can't bring it back. People are like, we have to have DePaul Day again. No. The whole – the whole point of the holiday was we don't lose these guys ever. It's impossible for us to lose this game. So when you actually lose, it wrecks the holiday for for eternity. It's gone. But Rick Pitino has brought the holiday with him to New York. They have they announced today that they are giving away Rick Pitino bobbleheads at uh, UBS tomorrow for their game against DePaul, which is a six thirty tip off. The bobblehead. Didn't really look that much like him. They, they definitely they took some liberties. He's, the cheekbones are looking a little young. The jawline's looking a little firm. Um, Rick looks great for his age. Don't get me wrong, but he looks like he's about forty-five in this 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 bobblehead. But it's appropriate that they're doing it for DePaul Day. Patino, you know, while we may be losing to DePaul now, Patino never did, and he's taking that with him to St. John's. So happy DePaul Day to the Johnny faithful. You'll get to enjoy it tomorrow, and they need look. They need to start racking up some wins. They need a little bit of a down. A little bit of a dry spell up there in Big East play for St. John's. Now 5-6 and six in the conference, but they their schedule is a little bit easy. It was a little bit front-loaded. They'll have some winnable games. I think they'll still make the NCAA tournament, but can't afford to slip up in games like this against DePaul. All right, Thornton sex line, 502-414-1450. If you have questions on anything we've talked about today, the women's game against NC State tonight, the win over Florida State, uh, Haley Van List comments, the 2016 ban anniversary, Gary Parrish's comments, whatever you got, Hit us up. You got 40 minutes to get those thoughts heard. 502-414-1450. Texter says, anyone talking about the caller in the UK postgame that called for the UK AD to be tarred, feathered, and killed for giving Cal a lifetime contract? Did not hear <laughs> did, did not hear that. It sounds like a measured response. Um, I don't know if that was... I'm assuming that wasn't TJ Spaces. On Twitter, I can't see T.J. Walker, the sports talker, taking calls that 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 call for people to be killed and tarred and feathered. I'm assuming that was the Matt Jones show, but regardless, it's not good. My stance on this Kentucky team remains what it's been. They're not good defensively and uh, enough to be a real, realistic national title threat. I, wa- I mean, I didn't get to watch much of the Tennessee game because Louisville was playing at the same time, and our game ran so long that you couldn't really flip over at the end and catch meaningful basketball. But I watched a little bit of it and, and caught the highlights and caught what people were saying afterwards. And Tennessee seemed to have no problem scoring the entire game, and that came with Dalton Connect, who's maybe been the best pure scorer in college basketball this entire season, being in foul trouble for most of the game. DJ Wagner being out is not a nothing. It's something for sure. They'll be better when he gets back and, and healthy. I don't know how much Justin Edwards coming back will really help them, but they don't play defense. 
at some point, like you've, you've, you're going to have to defend somebody to win a national title. They're 102nd in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency. They're 7th in offense. They can score with anybody. But you just let Tennessee drop 103 on you on your home floor. A game after Florida, in overtime, dropped 94 on you on your home floor. It's, it's not the end of the season, but it's late. It's February 5th. You got a month left before conference tournament play starts. You can get better defensively. I don't think you can get good defensively. I think they're fine. I think with the right draw, they can win a couple games. Maybe not more than a couple. I think they, they could win three games in the NCAA tournament. Maybe make a Final Four if brackets fall apart. It happens every year. But I don't view them as a realistic threat to win a national title. They don't defend. Texter says... I'm so excited for the women's game tonight. Go Cards. The season of fun starts now. Yeah. I mean, U of L women up to, to number 15 in today's AP poll. Um, this is a realistic opportunity for them. I, I said this in the 3 o'clock hour. I'll say it again. Like This season's been a lot of fun to follow. They've been very, very good. And we weren't sure exactly how well it was going to work because we've never done this before as far as bringing in nine new scholarship players and really just kind of... Mercer Russell played a decent amount last year, but Olivia Cochran is the the only key member, real key member, uh, of last year's team to come back. And there's never been that little continuity for this program under Jeff Walls. And so there was a possibility that this just didn't work at all. That we not only were like not top 25 good, but that we were not in like outside of the NCAA tournament bad. And instead, we're sitting here again early February, 19 and 3 overall and 8 and 1 in the ACC. It's great. Walls all the talk about this potentially being his best coaching job, I think it's valid. But there's been this this, this underlying assumption and I'm absolutely part of this as well. That this team isn't as much of a realistic talk about realistic national title threats, realistic final four threats as most of the other teams that he's coached for the last decade. There's probably five, six, seven teams in women's college basketball, maybe a few more, who you can realistically see cutting down the nets, who you can realistically see playing their way to the Final Four. And Louisville, I don't think, has been in that tier. They had a a loss to a, okay, Alabama team on a neutral floor in November. They got whomped by UConn by 24 and then they lost on the road to a a good, not spectacular North Carolina team by 11 last month. So while they've beaten some good teams, Ole Miss is a good team, Syracuse is a good team, um, Washington was a good team, they've beaten some good teams. They haven't beaten anybody great. NC State's great. They're number three in the country. They beat that same UConn team that, that destroyed Louisville earlier in the year. They are, by all accounts one of those teams in that group that you can look at as a realistic threat to win it all. And if Louisville goes out there and beats them on their home floor tonight, I think it changes the entire narrative around this team. It changes the entire conversation. All of a sudden, you're like, okay, there's nobody they can't beat. They can get hot. They can go to a Final Four. They can win a national title. Like This would be a hilarious, not hilarious is the wrong word, this would be a kind of a perfect way for Jeff Walls to, to finally win the big one to finally get that national title with the team that nobody was highlighting uh, as somebody who could get it done going into the year. Would love it. But until they beat a team like NC State, or at least are 
right there with a team like NC State down the stretch, I don't think anybody's buying it. And if they go down there tonight and they get handled from start to finish and they lose by, I don't know, 16, 18 points, then I think you still say, well, you know, it, it, it's... They are who we thought they were. They're going to lose a couple more games in the conference in conference play. They're not going to win the ACC tournament. They'll be maybe four or five seed in, in the NCAA tournament. They can win a couple of games. They can get back to a, a seventh straight Sweet 16. Maybe with the right draw, the right breaks, they could go to an, an Elite Eight, but they're not going to get past that. But if you win tonight, or you're wildly competitive tonight, I think people start looking at you differently. I'll start looking at the team differently, for sure. Texture says, if DJ uh, Knox and Carter Wagner, is that enough for a KP3? I think that it's mixing up the names there. Both are unranked JUCOs from out west. Rumor has it they're very interested and have been to quite a few of our home games and both can seriously hoop. Bring in DJ Knox and Carter Wagner. Sure. Let's make it happen. Texas, Kenny keeps talking about how he got a broken team and having to fix it. Fix us, Kenny. Fix the fans. We're more broken than the team. Yeah. I'm trying, I mean, I am curious because I'm seeing some people who are, are, are anecdotally saying if we win like six of seven, five of these next six, I'm back in. I think everybody has their own personal line like that, their own personal bar. And for me, it's much, much higher than just, hey, if we win five in a row. If he, <laughs> if we finished 500 in the league, which would mean we'd only lose one more regular season game, and then went to like the conference championship game and lost, I would be okay with Kenny Payne year three. It's going to take something dramatic because when you look at this when you look at what we've really done and people are saying that they've turned a corner they're not the same team that was losing to Arkansas State that was losing to DePaul and I agree with that if that corner turning happened after the Kentucky game right when he got the vote of confidence from Josh Hurd we didn't let him go we've still won two games we're still two and nine. Being reasonably competitive with teams like North Carolina is has never been something that we we thumped our chest over. We were upset about it towards the end of the Denny Crum era. We were upset about it during the NIT seasons with Rick Pitino. We should be upset about it now under a second year head coach who has us at number one seventy nine in the metrics that matter. If it gets markedly better, again, extreme to a point where we're winning nine of our last ten games and then winning multiple games in the conference tournament, then I can start to believe that, okay, there's something to this notion of it just took so long for this to click and maybe this can be the guy. But short of that, if it's just more of like, hey, we beat Boston College at home, we beat Notre Dame at home, we beat Syracuse at home, and we won a total of six conference games, I just don't think that that's good enough. I wouldn't have thought it was good enough going into this this hire, whether it was Kenny Payne or somebody else, and I certainly don't think that it's good enough now. But my opinion doesn't matter. One more text here before we take a break. Texture says, Mike KP did say in his postgame pressure that the second-half lineup against Clemson was the main reason he thought they could win without starting Tyler. Yeah, there you go. 
That's what I assumed. It's the case. I don't think it was some great strategic deal where he's trying to trick Leonard Hamilton. I, I think he just thought, look, we played really well at the end of the Clemson game. We had no point guard. Why not run it back without Sky Clark? And then very, very quickly, it was like, you need Tyler Johnson out there. And then, then Tyler Johnson did not come back off the floor. All right, let's take our final break. When we come back, we will uh, wrap up the Thornton Stacks line. We'll look at the games tonight uh, on both the men's and the women's side. Great slate on the on the men's side. A couple of really good games. And then obviously on the women's side, the big show at 7 o'clock, Louisville versus NC State. Make some predictions there. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. We're wrapping it up next. They're on 1450 and 96.1. Big X. Final segment of the day here, Monday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, the Big X. Trey Ryan here with me as we wrap up a Monday edition, which has been uh, exciting. We've we've had fun stuff to talk about. Trey, were you ever, I know we've had snow here for like what, we, we had a few days a couple weeks ago, not a ton though. Were you ever a big, uh, were you a snowman kid? You know what, we had some pretty big hills by our house, so we were more sledding, but um, the occasional snowman, yeah. But we, we enjoyed sledding quite a bit. Big sledder. Big sledder. Enjoyed snowmen back in my day. Not as much as the, the the 12 teams that competed in the International Snow Sculpture Championships. This just came across my email, and I love it. It happened in Breckenridge, Colorado over the weekend. The winning team, Team Mexico, brought home, brought home the gold in this with their, uh, the, their snow sculpture. 12 feet t- tall, titled The Beggar which depicted a downtrodden man surrounded by Bitcoins. <laughs> In describing their peace, Team Mexico's message is clear. Without a rich heart, wealth is a hungry beggar. Congrats to Team Mexico. Team Mongolia came home uh, with the silver medal for their sculpture, Mother Earth, while Team Germany Bavaria earned bronze for their masterpiece titled Float. No cash prize in the competition, but winners received trophies and, of course, Bragging rights. If you can find this this uh, this story, snow sculptures are unbelievable. Team USA's was um, very cool. It, it's uh, it, it's I don't know how to describe it. They don't. It's looks like Mother Earth opening her heart, and they have a little light inside. I think that was actually better than the, the one that won. But props to all the co- competitors in the 2024 International School Scul- Snow Sculpture Championships, and particularly Team Mexico for bringing home the gold. We've got about uh, 20 minutes left on the show. If you want to have your thoughts. Heard on the Thornton Sex Line, text us at 502-414-1450. We will take some texts, and then we'll make some predictions about tonight with the women's basketball team taking on NC State. And the uh, on the men's side, Kansas versus Kansas State. A couple other big Monday games. Should be fun. Texture says, So what you're saying is that KP is going to the Elite Eight next year. That's exactly what I'm saying. Elite Eight or bust. Kenny Payne, make it happen. 
Texas, according to, to BBN, Big Z was supposed to be the second coming of Nikola Jokic. What happened? Uh, he's not playing. I mean, he's. Uh, I think it's weird that he's gone from that debut where, again, like it didn't look like a a fake thing. It, it looked like he's got legitimate skills. He was out there making behind-the-back passes. He was raining threes. Uh, he, he looked like a guy who could at least get minutes on a good team. He's just not playing at all. It's a, it's a weird thing for them. Texas Mike, are you meeting us all at the American Revival Rally with Chris the Plumber? We can't let Trump do like, like I, I don't I don't know how to say this enough. I don't control the commercials here. I I mean it, like I, I hear about this every day now. Family, friends, texting. I I I I'm sorry. I can't control it. Texture says Nyla Harris is back to Mike. Texture says Mike, you've lost it. I don't even know what that's in reference to, but yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, who's our candidate today? We already did a coaching candidate of the day. Steve Forbes from Wake Forest. Texture says, Georgetown saved Patrick's Ewing job with an improbable run, but in the end, it didn't change the program's trajectory. That's a great point. Think about the, think about the crazy runs in the conference tournaments at the major conference level the last few years. And I think these two both happened the same, the same year. Georgetown was the very bottom seed, I guess the 12th seed, in the Big East tournament back in uh, 2021. They beat four teams in four days. They go to the NCAA tournament. They get whomped by Colorado. That same year, Oregon State is atrocious. They, you know... They're going into the conference tournament with a 14-12 and 12 record. They win the Pac-12 tournament. And they go to the NCAA tournament as a 12 seed, and they, unlike Georgetown, actually get hot in the big dance. They win three games. They make it to um, a regional final. They lose to Houston. But they save Wayne Tinkle's job. Wayne Tinkle, the very next year, goes 3-28. and 28. He still gets another year. Goes to the uh, conference tournament with an 11 and 20 record. Not good. This year, 11 and 11, 3 and 8, going to get fired. There's almost no way around it. So, what recent history tells us tells us is if that we, if we make some sort of crazy run in the conference tournament, which would be hilarious and fun all at the same time, and we keep Kenny Payne, it's probably not going to go well for us. It's probably not indicative. That run is not indicative of gigantic paradigm shifts in the program moving forward. And that's typically the case. Texas says, did I just hear that USA lost a snow event to Mexico? It's a modern-day cool runnings. Yeah, we did. Mexico's the king of the snow sculptures. Texas says, Seeing the cards class next year, I think that KP is waiting to see if he returns to start recruiting as well. We did offer over the weekend EJ Walker from the class of 2025 who plays at Lloyd Memorial um, in Kentucky. So like we're, we're, we're doing something, right? Like we're, we're still attempting to recruit. Uh, he's a three-star small forward from Erlanger, um, plays at Lloyd Memorial. His other offers from Dayton, Charleston, California, and Arizona State. So... There's a pulse. <laughs> They're doing something, is my point. But it's it, it does reek of quiet quitting. 
Texas, when you talk about the Gary Parish comment, can you speak about them saying we have crazy money to spend when all we hear is about how tight things are? We talked about that. But yeah, it, it's it's up for debate, it sounds like. Plumbybro1 says, Scoots, it sounds like you need a new roommate. I think I'm worried about the Scoots Gill relationship. It's like the friend who they're always posting happy stuff on Instagram. They're always, you know, you know, they seem like the perfect couple. And there's just those few references when you had dinner, just like a little bit here and there about things maybe not going great at home, a little something that annoys them about their partner. And then all of a sudden, those complaints start making their way onto social media. You start seeing just real passive aggressive, like, would be great if I got, could get some help. Or just like some reference to how men suck or how women suck. And the next thing you know, boom, it's over. I'm worried that we're reaching that point with Scoots and Gil. Because Scoots has taken his complaints to the social media. And he knows he's got a wide following. Big X Nation's behind him. Big X Nation is hanging on his every word on social media. So when he's saying things like, it'd be nice if others would help me out a little bit and clean up around the house. Some deep cracks there. I'm very concerned. The next step, I think, is a drastic one. I'm worried about it. Texture says, hey, Mike, since you're giving away guest host spots to people who get the coach uh, they really want, put me down for Shaka Smart. I said it before, I'll say it again. Would not be opposed to Shaka Smart at all. I think Shaka would work here. I think the issue is you're getting him at a bad time. I don't think he wants to leave Marquette right now. But I think there are the same things that would appeal to you if you're Shaka Smart and get you to leave Texas. Forget about the being pushed out and not having the type of success that he wanted to. The things that, that make Marquette a more desirable spot for someone like Shaka Smart than Texas, they're even more present at a place like Louisville. We're a basketball first school. We've got crazy resources. We play in a, usually, basketball first conference. We love the up-tempo style. Bring that havoc here. I think Shaka would work here. I don't think it's going to happen. But I think you would work here. Texture says, not to put you on the spot, Mike, but you've mentioned Nate Oates' name a few times. Is there any shot with his high buyout? Well, we 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 got into it a little bit. I, I think if they if they decided that Nate Oates is the guy, they'd find money for the buyout. I'm not convinced they're going to decide that Nate Oates is the guy. I mean, we talk about Chris Beard potentially being a non-starter because of the situation in Texas. It's not like you know, Nate Oates' situation in Alabama last year wasn't directly attached to his name, but he was the head coach of a program that had a player involved in a murder case, and then multiple other players who it, it came out over the course of the season were involved in some way, shape, or form as well. Now, some of that we found out was you know, the, the one kid whose name got mentioned, it turned out he was, was never in the car, was never there. That was bonk. There's still debate about Brandon Miller's role with the gun and all that stuff. But regardless, it was a it was a bad situation. It was handled poorly from a PR standpoint. You know, Brandon Miller, after not getting suspended, coming out and doing the gunshots turn <laughs> in the uh, the starting lineup is a terrible look. Somebody should have quashed that, squashed that pretty quickly. And then Nate Oates, I don't think ever handled it very well publicly when he was asked to talk about it. So. I don't know if that's enough to keep you away if you're Louisville, but I can understand why it would be. I think Oates' style, I think his his personality, I think it all would play very well here, but 
if that's a concern, then that's a concern. And the buyout also is a concern. It's weird, though, to me that his name hasn't been mentioned here as much as it's been mentioned like down there as far as the possibility of him coming here. I, th- I feel like they're far more concerned with us coming in and taking NATOs away than we are actually discussing going down there and taking NATOs away, which is usually not the way that it works. Texas, play cowboy over all the text you can't read. That's actually a fantastic idea. Every time that we I stumble upon a text that I, that I can't read for reasons, we will just play cowboy. Texture says, there it is. Play cowboy right there. That would work perfectly. Texas, long-time listener, first-time texter. You're not a first-time texter. I see your old text. But he says, I, I feel like I haven't heard NATO's name as a candidate recently. What do you think? Well, poor timing for that text. We've discussed NATO a couple of times today. Texture says, I'm not mean to Scoots. I'm just truthful, and sometimes the truth hurts. Suck at Scoots. That's from Scoots Hater. I'm sure somewhere Scoots is not listening, but saying, suck at Scoots Hater. I don't even know what Scoots is doing today. He's sick. He's not sick. He's fine. Is that what he just... Is he lying to me? He's fine. We better not be too sick to do the show tomorrow because he's supposed to be in here the next three days. Yeah. Is that our guy Ross back there? Yeah, sure Ross, is. Yeah, Ross, come here. Come here. See if you can open that door. Yeah, the door doesn't work. You're going to have to just open it up all the way through. Look at him. What's up, brother? Dynamite drop-in? How are you? You can get on the mic. I'll hop on here. He's on red. I got him on put red. him on red. Yep, well, yeah, why up. not? He's excited about the game tonight. Go, go, go right, right there. Right there. What's up, man? What's going on with you? Hey, there he is. Ross, we're pumped for. I, I mean, women's basketball tonight. I know you are like me, a Haley Van Lith hater. We 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 talked about the LSU comments tonight. Cards taking on NC State in Raleigh. Thoughts on our ability to at least make this thing interesting, maybe establish ourselves as a realistic Final Four threat tonight. Uh, you know, I, I, I I'll be honest. I haven't watched as much as the women's this year as I I've wanted, but um. I think if they can finish strong in the fourth quarter, that's been a, a thing for this team this year. Um, I think they're going to be right there. So uh, definitely, definitely got to got to play their best game in that fourth quarter. Are you? I mean, you, you've been around for forever. I mean, you, you we had you you on the old Ramsey Rutherford days. Like you're a diehard. No one can question the diehardness of, of at Ross Pro on Twitter. With the men's team, where are you? Because like, like I asked this before, how I, I understand that everybody's fanning differently right now. We're trying to, to to get through this the best we can. And if you're a fan who's out there saying like, I don't want us to win games because it makes year three more realistic, like I understand it. I can't bring myself to do it. Like I, I I I still cheer for the team. I still feel happy when they win. Where I mean, you being a diehard, what's your philosophy right now with the state of the men's basketball program on a game to game basis? Uh, it really is mixed emotions, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I have a hard time really pulling against them. Uh, I was fortunate. I got to meet Kenny in the off season, um, got to tour the facilities and got to talk to him one-on-one. And, uh, you know, I, I, I really have wanted this to work out and, uh, have overlooked things. Um, but that being said, I mean, what we've seen in basically these two years, this, I mean, it's not been it, you know, I mean, this, this, this program, nobody's bigger than this program, this program, this is not where we need to be. Uh, 
this weekend. I mean that that was that was fun. I mean, there's no there's no way around that. That that was a fun game. Uh, yeah, you could you could scratch your head and say, well, you know, they still gave up 92 points and you know this and that, but that that's it's kind of like a lot of what you've been reiterating, you know, uh, for a while now is that um there are going to be teams that this team can beat, um, particularly teams that uh, like to play a lot of one-on-one and don't do a lot of things. I was actually surprised to see Leonard Hamilton um, trapping a lot, uh, even to start the game and pressing, uh, just because, to me, it was kind of an eye-opening thing to say that he realized that we were very short on our bench. And when I was watching, I was very afraid the last five to six minutes of that game, we were going to run out of gas. And uh, I was very happy to see that we didn't. And uh, so I, 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 I don't ever want to root against the team, you know, um, but I'm just kind of watching right now. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to just live in the moment, I guess, you know, whatever that is. When we get a win, great. If we, it's a loss. It's not something that we've become unaccustomed to, unfortunately. So I'm trying to live outside the moment. If we're if we're being honest, I'm okay. trying. I'm trying to live beyond the moment. I'm trying to, you know, like, and I get it. During the game on Saturday, there were a lot of you'd have a cool little sequence where the crowd would be going nuts. We get on our feet and you know, we we have a breakaway dunk, and people are like, "This is Louisville basketball." I'm like, "Yeah, it feels like it for that moment," but then. It also it hits you like a ton of bricks. Like none of this matters as far as us being, you know, like we're not going to get a boost in bracketology because of the win over Florida State. And it's that time of the year where everyone's starting to pay attention to the sport, and all the old emotions start flooding back. When you're you're talking about where you stand in the conference tournament, what the bracket may look like, like all this, and we're just not involved in any of that. And I, I think you have to, as fun as it is to get involved in the games, it it always goes back to that place for me, and it just makes me so sad. But hopefully this is the last year that we're doing this. We're pushing through for the next five weeks, and then bang, you know, we, we have hope that in 12 months, the games and the runs and the excitement inside the Yum Center, it does mean something big picture-wise because it's been, it's been way too long. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for this to be fun again. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, like I said, I mean, we, we know what Louisville basketball is, and yeah, that, that felt like Louisville basketball this weekend. Um, and like you were saying, as far as thinking outside the moment, that's that's kind of where I was for a lot of this season up until just recently. And it had gotten so bad for me, like I couldn't even watch any other college basketball and find any joy in it at all. So I had to like really retool my mind about what I'm trying to accomplish here. So you're not I, alone. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to I'm just trying to take in the the good moments when we get them. So uh, I was very happy for the guys and I, I'm with you short. The, the bench shortening seems to have honestly been a blessing in disguise. I mean, they just, they got a lot more uh, rhythm and they've got a lot more cohesiveness as a team. I mean, I think you just roll with this for the rest of the year, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, playing Tyler, it reminds me on a much more macro scale, micro scale of, do you remember in, in 2012 in the Elite Eight, when Peyton Siva fouled out and Patino was like, you know, we, we Russ had to run the show. And Patino was like, we're either going to lose this game by like 15 or we're going to win it. And you, you, there was going to be no in-between. 
I feel like that's kind of, you know, Tyler Johnson, he's going to have games like he did against FSU, and maybe you beat some of the better teams that you have left on your schedule, and then maybe you lose to Syracuse by, like, 25. But at this point, it's better than the alternative, which is, hey, they, they played hard, they fought, they got it down to six at one point, and they still lost these good teams by 12. Play for the future a little bit. Tyler Johnson, if you can keep him around here, whether it's Kenny Payne or whoever the next head coach is, like, he's... He's a guy you can build around. Like he, he's got those that skill set that includes some stuff that you just can't teach. And and I mean, let him let him cook, let him roll out there, let him learn on the fly. Why absolutely, not? absolutely. I mean, and you know that 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 was that's always been a, a a philosophy of Cal. You know, he lets the young guys learn, and um, by coming around this time, they've usually got their training wheels off and they're ready to roll and. You know, it's it's kind of going to be, you know, talent is either going to win out or or you're going to get out coached and and the players are going to get outplayed. And as far as of a, a basketball IQ sense, you know, um, but it, whether it is Kenny next year or if it's somebody else next year that's that's manning this program and leading it, um, playing Tyler is is the best thing for this program going for it. He has to stay on the floor. It's, I mean, there's, there's nobody else like him on this team. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that I was, I was big on him coming into the season. All I really needed to know that he was a basketball player was Penny at at Memphis recruited him and had Nike kind of, you can say what you want, but they that was behind that. You know what I mean? I mean, they're pushing players to certain programs and uh it, it, we were very blessed and and I'll give the the staff credit to to take the risk and get him eligible. Uh has paid off. So yeah. um it, it's a it's a I would say that's a loss for Memphis, man, because he's he's a he's a hell of a player. Let's take a we'll get through these texts as quickly as we can here for the last few minutes of the show. Texas says, who legitimately thinks that KP is a good coach of this program and deserves a year three? It has to be a very, very minuscule faction of the fan base. I think it's dwindling. I, I mean, I think there are some people... The, the faction of the fan base that I think is very much in the, like, you need to stop talking bad about Kenny Payne. It's the portion of the fan base that thinks that you should just never say anything bad, period. There, there's no point in it. Just support the team and the program while they're here. If the coach gets fired, then you react to it. And again, like I understand that mentality. I don't agree with it, but if you're going to have that mentality, then it's just going to be. It doesn't matter if we're if we're zero and twenty eight. Like you can just be like, man, what's the point in saying anything bad? What's the point in being negative? I think those people still exist, and I think there are a few people that are like, I think he legitimately will get better. I think he will be will, will be fine long term. But that group is definitely dwindling. Texture says the Scoots and Rebecca Black thing makes sense once you listen to some of the commercials on the station. <laughs> Texas Jamie Dixon was actually planning to go to UCLA in 2019, but TCU refused to lower his buyout, so they hired Mick Cronin instead. You're right about that. And, yeah, I mean, the thing about that, though, is he's uh, he played at TCU. He's from Los Angeles. Like, he, he grew up in the Los Angeles area, so that's still kind of a home. It, it's, it's, it's a different homecoming for him. I'm not sure. I know Louisville is, I think, the job's on par at, at, with a place like UCLA but I'm not sure if it has the same appeal for a guy like Dixon, just given his particular um, background. Texas, is, there's only one candidate. It's Otzelberger. Damn, they all, I mean, they had they had Baylor beaten. Like, that was the shot at the buzzer. 
I was going nuts. I was like, this is, it's TJ is the way. And just split second late. I also had money on Iowa State money line, which hurt a little bit, but that's okay. Texas Mike, you said uh, KP gets another year if, if he goes 500 and makes a run in the conference tournament. Are you the KP Mafia leader? I'm not saying this is what I want. I'm trying to predict what might happen. But if he goes 500 overall, not, 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 what, was, what if he goes 9 and 10 here to end the regular season? That would put us at, he'd be over 500. And then would win four games theoretically. I think we'd still be having to play probably four and four days. So he'd win three games and then lose in the conference championship. I could be talked into it at that point. I wouldn't be thrilled, but I could be talked into it at that point. Texas, did the UK player kiss the Tennessee player? I've seen the video. We've all seen it. We've all. It sure looked like Aaron Bradshaw planted a smooch on the, the Tennessee player in the middle of a fight. It was a rough night for everybody. Texter says, um, good Lord, could you imagine our coaching staff trying to navigate the same situations that Oates did last year at Bama? No, I couldn't. It would be, <laughs> it would be bad. Texas Mike, you sound like you had a you have had a bad car, a bad car. If the Mondays, I'm assuming you mean bad case of the Mondays, and you're texting with voice text. I'm not that grouchy. I've been happy. I've been talking about the Florida State win. Um, Texas says, if people think a two million dollar deficit in men's basketball this year was bad, bring KP back for a third year. You will lose half of your season ticket holders that still remain. I, I agree with that for the most part. I think a lot of, there are. I mean, I know people personally. That are like, we have season tickets. We haven't been the last couple of years. We're holding out for a third year with the hope that things are going to get better. If they bring KP back, we're out. All right, so we've got about a minute here. We'll take some, make some predictions for tonight. It's Big Monday in, ES, uh, in the ESPN world. Virginia's kind of doing that thing again where everyone's talking about Duke and UNC, and here they are just lurking. They're starting to string together some wins. They're now suddenly, it's like, oh, don't they suck? Aren't they going to miss the NCAA tournament? No, they're 8-3 in the ACC and 17-5 and overall. They do this every year. They're hosting Miami tonight, who's reeling a little bit, trying to make one last surge uh, and, and play up to their preseason expectations. 7 o'clock ESPN, UVA is a 5.5-point favorite. Ross, who do you like here? Give me, give me a prediction. Oh, I'm going to take uh, UVA at John Paul. I, I think UVA wins. I think it's closer than than people expect. I'm, I'm going to say they cover, but it's a very slight cover. Let's say UVA by seven tonight. Nine o'clock, the big game on the men's side. Kansas, number four in the country, on the road, taking on Kansas State and Jerome Tang. KU's a three-and-a-half-point road favorite. Ross, give me a pick. Tang gang. Pulling that upset. Trap game. Kansas coming off that game this past weekend. Going down in Manhattan. I told anybody Kansas. who would listen, Kansas was going to be Houston, Big 12, home ref. It happened. It wasn't even close. I think K State wins tonight, too. I'm with you. I think they pulled the upset. Um, they're still trying to put together a last surge to make the NCAA tournament. Real quickly tonight, the U of L women, 7 o'clock on the road, taking on number three NC State. Give me a prediction. Man. We're going to cover the spread. My, if, I was, if I was putting my money on it, real quick, we gotta go. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm a, I, I would, why are you doing this to me? U of L covers the spread. All right, that, that's good enough. Go cards, beat NC State. Everyone enjoy your Monday night. We're back here tomorrow at three o'clock. Go cards.